You're listening to TechSags Radio via podcast, thanks to the 12th Man Foundation. Oh, you know what I love? Sports. I love sports. Sports, 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 sports. When it comes to Texas A&M. Where are you getting this information? Let me tell you. Welcome to TechSags. I need to talk a little sports with you, Ags. David Nunez here with Texags Radio. Billy Lucci here on Texags Radio. Olin Buchanan. Make a mistake. We're not going anywhere. This is going to be a great program, and we're building into a great program. The best way for us to win is to do it together. Do you realize everybody knows who you are right now? I stand by what we do and how we do it. Schools are like, we're freaking Texas A&M, man. Like... That's about as pretty a throw-catch combo as there is. I saw the safety roll, the slot fade. I knew where I needed to put the ball. You had no other option but one hand at that yeah, point. Yeah, man, that 50-50 ball, I got to come down with. You know, if I'm betting on anybody, it's the Aggies. David is out, and the boys are in. Welcome into TechSags Radio, presented by David Garner's Jewelers. We're here inside the Rollo Insurance Studio, and it is the Go Hour presented by CC, the warehouse at CC Creations. Maroon never looks so good with Maroon U, and uh, I'm Nick Savage, by the way, usually producing the show in the back, but uh, David's, I think, visiting his parents, so uh, I guess they just let anyone on the show these days with me. I guess Luke Evangelist here yep. with me. Texag's intern, is that your title? Yeah, that's Co-host my... Co-host of uh, up to... Uh, not up to the second. Uh, from, from the, the east, east side. side. It would be yeah. cool if I got to host up to the second, but that might be too big time Maybe for me. Maybe one day since yeah. David's gone. But anyways, on Zoom... Out in Birmingham at Texas or at uh, SEC Basketball Media Days, we got Olin Buchanan, Texas columnist and Heisman Trophy voter. Ob, good morning. What's up? Well, yes. Yeah, speaking of big time, um, <laughs> here I am at the, <laughs> in a really big time room at the Courtyard Marriott in Hoover, uh, Alabama, uh, waiting to head over to the Grand Bohemian, a, a much nicer place. Uh, today to talk with uh, Janiah Barker and Coach Joni Taylor uh, about the women's uh, upcoming basketball season. Well, right on. Well, hey, we're going to open up with a little uh, basketball talk, Aggie basketball talk, because we got to hear from Coach Buzz yesterday, and I know OBU uh, were the first one to ask some questions uh, of Buzz, and I I listened to that little press conference and your first question kind of was interesting to me you basically asked him you know he said in the past sacrificing a game in December is worth a win in March and you also asked is that even the case anymore with all the the returning experience uh that the Aggie basketball teams bring brings back so uh just what do you think of his answer and 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 overall just what do you think of that philosophy that he had well, it's, the philosophy works for him. There's not, a, there's no doubt about it. I mean, just look since he's been here, what they, they've done, and uh, you know, it, pretty much like in mid February, uh, you know, even his first year uh, before the tournament got the SEC tournament got canceled, nobody wanted to play him. I mean, they were surging late. They were playing really well. Then uh, the last two years, you know, they've made the SEC tournament final. But so he's going to do what he does. He feels like. He's got something that that works for him, and obviously it does. Now, here's the here's the other side of that, though, because I mean, I was wondering, do you really have to 
sacrifice the game early when uh, you know when you were so experienced. Dexter Dennis, the only player of note that that uh, is not returning, they mm-hmm. should be really good. They're picked second behind Tennessee by the media uh, to win the in the SEC preseason rankings. But we we know that the NCAA tournament selection committee um, they don't give. A and M, the benefit of the doubt ever. Yeah, uh, we've seen it two years in a row. Again, uh, they didn't even get into the tournament la- uh, two years ago when they went to the NIT, even though they had just played extremely well uh, down the stretch and had twenty plus wins. And then last year, twenty five wins, second in the SEC, go to the SEC tournament final, beat number two Alabama, number eleven Tennessee, Arkansas a couple times. And what happens? You get a number seven seed. So the NCAA tournament committee, and it changes, but in the past, clearly, uh, while A&M has been willing to sacrifice early, the uh, the NCAA tournament just sees it as a you know as, as big losses. Yeah, Ob, I see. I see you're still waiting on the interns to ship the banners to you. Don't worry, yeah, we'll get right. right on that. Uh, but you mentioned him earlier, Dexter Dennis. How will AM look to replace him? Is Jace Carter, do you think he can do that all by himself, or is it going to be more of a rotational effort? I bet, I, you know, I'm betting it's a rotational effort, and I think that Jace Carter, for what I understand, I haven't got to really meet him uh, yet. They're going to do that next Thursday. But um, from what I understand, that physically he's very much, much uh, like. Dexter, you know, big strong guy. So we'll see. But you know, Manny Obask, he's a big strong guy. Solomon Washington's a big strong guy. Um uh you know, seems like somebody on Buzz's team's always really excels defensively. And you know, it, it, maybe it is Carter, maybe it's Obasky, maybe it's Washington, maybe it's all of them. Um but if they do lose something offensively, I think they're going to gain it back. Def- uh, I mean, defense, they're going to ban- gain it back offensively with what uh, Wade Taylor was toward, uh, I guess, about mid about February 7th last year. He really took off. He was a 20 point machine. You know, he said boots. And then uh, I think Carter and uh, the kid, and I can't think of his name right offhand. I'm sorry. The guy from Middle Tennessee, he's supposed to be a scorer. So um, if they do, decline at all defensively and i'm skeptical that that'll be the case uh i think they'll probably be an even better offensive team ob Cade in the back put together a pretty little or pretty interesting note when it comes to a, a trend for aggie basketball pertains to them so the uh starters by class here on each of the last national championship teams in basketball he goes back 10 years but i'll, I'll go back about five Last year, UConn's team, three seniors, one junior, one sophomore. Kansas the year before, two seniors, two juniors, one sophomore. Baylor the year before that, two seniors, three juniors. Basically, what I'm getting at is upper, you know, upperclassmen, experienced guys has led to lots of success in, in March. And if you look at the projected starting lineup, you got what? Boots senior, Marble senior, senior. Coleman senior, yeah, uh, Wade Taylor junior. Uh, if Obaski's out there, he's a junior. So, uh, what do you think experience means for the Aggie basketball team when, in terms of you know, success come March? Well, I think success, uh, experience is uh, in, in in all things, sports, life, 
business, I, I think experience is just a valuable commodity. And, uh, you know, there's a reason, uh, and this is not to be a shot at him because I think he's a great coach, but there's a reason John Calipari with all that talent has won national championship at Kentucky. And why is that? Well, typically uh, in the past, he's run out three, four freshmen, you know, and they're highly rated. Everybody in the country wanted them. But there's something to be said for that experience. Plus, you know, when you start talking about all those guys, that, that they, they become grown men. <laughs> I don't even know how old uh, Boots Radford is. I asked him yesterday what year he's in college, six years. I said, okay, Dr. Radford, <laughs> uh, what, what can we expect from you this year? So, you know, you have grown men uh, that are really good, talented basketball players that they wouldn't be here anyway anyway. And then they have just a lot of experience and grit and determination. And quite frankly, maybe older guys play with an even greater sense of urgency because they know they're finished off their career. You know, there's all kinds of factors involved. But, yeah, experience um, as anyone in any walk, any business, any whatever can tell you, that's a, that is a great asset. And I got a bunch of it. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> do. You got more than probably Nick and myself combined. Yeah. Uh, you just talked about Boots returning him and Wade. They were both top 15 in the conference in points per game. Would it be fair to say that A&M is returning the best backcourt in the league? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they got to prove it again. But based on what they've done in the past, yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, you start with the preseason player of the year. You know, so so that gives you a heck of a start. And then you got a guy that's, again, in a six-year college and always has been incredibly produ- productive. So I can't imagine who, who who's better than that in the backcourt. Maybe not just in the SEC. Maybe nationally. I'm sure there's somebody uh, that can that can boast that they think their guys are the best, and that's fine. But I'll put A and M's. I'll put Boots Radford and Wade Taylor four up against anybody and feel pretty good about. It. Absolutely. Talking to Olin Buchanan here on Texags Radio. It's a go hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. Obi, let's switch gears now. Talk a little bit of Aggie football, and obviously not a game coming up this weekend. I feel like, you know, we, we've beaten the Tennessee game to death, so let's just kind of move on. And, and, you know, you and David usually do your three things you want to see going into a game, so I guess we'll do a little spin on it here with the bye week. What what do you, I guess, hope that the Aggie the Aggies are working on uh, during the bye week? What do you want them to be to be working on if you, if you got a few things? Uh, pass protection, uh, that's one. But then specific, number two, specific to uh, Max Johnson, uh, quicker reading and quicker reading and release. Because it's not all on the offensive line. I think that's been discussed and rehashed over and over and over. I, I mean, a lot of us on. And then uh, what else would I like to see? Uh, you know, just – just the attention, the detail. You know, again, I believe through all the issues, and I've been hammering on it, and everybody's tired of hearing me say it, but all the problems they've had with pass protection, this and that, if you just don't have the mental errors that are unforced, you might be 6-0. and And I'm talking about false starts or penalties or uh, blown assignments and you know, hey, maybe you know what would be a great thing to work on is uh, working on incorporating the quarterback sneak. And it doesn't even have to be a quarterback. What if you put a – if you don't want 
to put Max in that? What if you brought somebody in motion and stopped him at, at the center and quick? Because AM is atrocious on third and fourth and one or third and short, two yeah. or short, right? I mean, how, how many, how much difference would you think this season would have made had AM just been able to consistently? convert in short yardage. So maybe they need to work hard on the short yardage situation. Yeah, it seems like AM's offense struggles when it's needed the most in the red zone and in yep. short yardage. Um yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about injuries. You never wish injuries on anyone. You hate to see them, but how important is is it for AM to get this seemingly perfectly timed bye week with Edrin Cooper going down, Bryce Anderson and Walter Nolan. Yeah, you know what? I think that's just one of the reasons this is a really good, a well-timed bye week uh, because of, you know, the offensive issues they've had. Um, you know, this is a good time to, if you want to make some changes to get guys ready, but specific to the injuries, absolutely. Because how how important are those guys to, you know, Walter Nolan has been playing like a, I mean, he's a war horse. He's a bonafide war horse now. And Edrin Cooper is an all-American. If he keeps playing at the level he's played so far, I don't know how anybody can deny that that that, that, that guy deserves all-American recognition. Yep. So um, A&M has had its struggles. They need to be at full, as close to full strength as possible. You got an extra week to get them ready. I, you know, I think it's uh, – like you said, Luke, it, it, the, the open week, though nobody really likes them, you know, this one uh, came when you, I think, when you need it most. Obi, how many of these problems do you think could be solved with maybe just a little bit more tempo on offense? We saw it in the first couple games. I feel like Aggie offense running a little bit more up tempo, and then it's it, we haven't seen it since. So how how much of that do you think just hustling to the line, you know, get set, hut, would fix some of these some of these issues. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I'm open to anything, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I think in some cases, uh, absolutely would. Plus, I want to see them. Uh, I want to see that Bobby Petrino influence that we we're always waiting for, and it just seems that they've gotten stagnant. And maybe that's part of the reason they've gotten stagnant. And quite frankly, here I go again. You know, on that fourth and one, they didn't convert. Mm-hmm. They were at the line of scrimmage for quite a while moving guys around and all that, you know, so you trip over foot. If you would have just got up and snapped it and, and sneak or run or, or run inside, you had that early before they, they shifted over, uh, Tennessee was inviting the first down. So maybe if you start moving at a quicker pace, the you catch the defense a little bit off guard. Yeah. Uh, A&M is five and three under Jimbo Fisher following a bye. That stat is a little bit, if skewed. He, skewed, I would say, is the right word because they had multiple bye weeks during the COVID year. But uh, what do you think Jimbo Fisher's experience brings coming out of a bye, and what are you looking to see uh, in this game coming up against South Carolina, who they just you know, I, I just want to see him move the ball last win. year. Uh, as far as his experience, um, I don't think it matters. Last year, uh, you, you're saying five and three after bye. Well, then last year they were five and two. Mm-hmm. They came out of bye, played South Carolina. And I never saw a team that I ever that I thought was less ready to play than that team. You remember how that game started? Kickoff return. Uh, uh, I think the next one was a pass inter- uh, interception mm-hmm. that was a, a, an easy score, and then a a, a, a quit a, an early snap that 
led to a fumble. It was an easy score. And, I mean, it's five minutes into the game. You're down 17-0, right? And that's coming off a of bye week. And quite frankly, I really thought that in the bye week last year, I thought they would take that extra week and get Connor Wigman ready to play. Uh, and they didn't. So, um, and, and we learned later, you know, a little bit later, maybe, you know, maybe they should have. And yep. if you did, maybe you've been in a bowl game. So, um, at this time, I don't think track record uh, matters at all. I think you just need to go out, make some improvement, and show and show that you're a better team than South Carolina. And quite frankly, it just disgusts me to even make that to say you have to prove it because we should just know it. South Carolina's not very good. You've got to go out and remind everybody, you know, that 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 you're a good a good football team and. Um, and maybe get on a on a streak to close fast. OB's on the hotline. You're listening to the Go Hour presented by where the Warehouse at CC Creations. If you want to be a part of the conversation, text us 979-693-1150. We're going to go over to the uh, Angry Elephant News and Social Center, which is, again, presented by the Angry Elephant. Aggies gather at the Angry Elephant. Check in with Leanna Davidson. Good morning, Leanna. Good morning. How are you guys hosting the show? Yeah, Exciting we're great. Yeah, we're great. Uh, Luke's made it so far, so <laughs> we're doing well. I'm excited. So I just have some sport updates. Got Absolutely. Some stuff going on tonight. The women's soccer take on number 17, South Carolina. 7 p.m. tonight at Ellis Field. We also have softball playing Blinn College tonight at 5 p.m. Davis Field, where there'll be free admission. Football is also continuing the baseball team, taking on Houston tomorrow at 6 p.m. in a 14-inning baseball game. Volleyball are on a four-match winning streak, and they will play the Gators tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. Let's pack Reed for that. They will also play Georgia at 1 p.m. on Sunday. That will also be at Reed Arena. The equestrian team will be competing against number five Oklahoma State this Saturday at 11 a.m. And the men's tennis gets underway today at the ITA Texas Regional um, and then the men's golf as well. We'll get on the way this Sunday at the Furman intercollegiate meet. So there's a lot going on around Aggieland. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of everything. Yeah. If you're from Australia, there's almost every word uh, in with an, sound, with an A sound, even when there's not an A there. Like, yeah, uh, I uh, like pronouncing my R's, hey. <laughs> I'll get on that. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you, Leanna. Yeah, I, I think Aggie softball last night played – uh, the University of Texas, but that game ended as a, a 2-2 tie, yeah, I think. Yeah, I guess so we're tying in softball no, now. No extra innings for, for fall ball. But anyways, OB, we're going to come back uh, on the other side with your Heisman watch, all right? Okay. All right, sounds good. Again, that on the other side, you're listening to Tech Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Welcome back in. Tech Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We're inside the Rollo Insurance Studio, and it's the Go Hour, presented by the Warehouse SCC Creations, Maroon New. Maroon U is your ultimate stop for brand name apparel, gifts, and accessories for the entire family. OB is on the road. He's on Zoom in Birmingham. And now we're going to get into his Heisman watch. And that's brought to you by the Shirtlift Law Firm. Shirtlift Law Firm, delivering justice for those who need it most. OB, you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's go top five. Feel free to uh, jump in and disagree or agree or whatever. But number five on my list, dropping him down quite a bit, is Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. You know, doesn't look like he's going to join Archie Griffin as the only two-time Heisman recipient last week. Big game against Notre Dame. Just 199 yards passing and a touchdown and a big loss. But the what really hurt him was 
three interceptions. Overall, still 2,021 passing yards and 23 touchdowns. He's also rushed for 116 yards and six touchdowns. But, hey, in your most in your highest profile games, three interceptions and a loss, uh, that might get you eliminated in the Heisman chase. Number four on my list, Jordan Travis. He's the Florida State quarterback. You know, he doesn't have uh, gaudy statistics, but he has that undefeated record with wins over LSU and Clemson. That's certainly gaudy. Last week in a 41-3 victory over Syracuse, he passed for 284 yards and a touchdown. Overall, 1,482 passing yards, 13 touchdowns with just one interception. Rushed for 114 yards and four touchdowns. But again, he's the quarterback of an undefeated team that has beaten LSU and Clemson. That makes him a Heisman contender. Number three, I'm going with Drake May, the North Carolina quarterback. He threw for 273 yards and four touchdowns in that 41-31 victory over Miami last week. He's fifth in the nation in passing, averaging 317 yards a game. Uh, He's thrown for 1,902 yards, 12 touchdowns, rushed for 184 yards, and four touchdowns. Okay, who do you think have number two? Jaden Daniels. You're right, Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback. But well, we a got a graphic in front of us with your list, so we oh, kind of cheated. They, and they, I got, and I got to read this stuff. I'm, man, you cheaters! All <laughs> right, I'm surprised you didn't go to LSU. <laughs> we we saved that only for the best in the Buchanan household. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. Uh, you know what? So he, lead, uh, he leads the nation in total offense, averaging 401.3 yards a game, third in the nation in passing. Uh, last week against Auburn, 325 yards passing and three touchdowns, also rushed for 93. Overall, he's completed 73.1% of his passes for 2,294 yards, 22 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Uh, on the season, the same as uh, Caleb Williams last week. Uh, he's rushed for 515 yards and four touchdowns. So the obvious number one is Michael Penix, the Washington quarterback. Uh, he's He became the undisputed front runner for throwing four touchdown passes in the most high-profile game uh, last week. He threw for 300 yards and uh, for the sixth time. Uh, in that 36-33 victory over Oregon. He averages 383.5 passing yards, which leads the nation. He's thrown for 2,301 yards for, in six games. That includes 20 touchdown passes, and he has just thrown three interceptions on the year. So, guys, that's my Heisman rankings. What do you think? Well, I like it. You know, it, it may be October, but we can still talk about Drake May. I did want to ask you at this point in the season, do you think it's more likely for a Pac-12 quarterback to win the Heisman or a player from the field? Uh, you know, that's a great question because um, all right, here's why. It, yeah, it's it's more likely that a Pac-12 player, because that is the field, right, for the most part. Yeah, and, and it's because, and I hate to say this, I mean, I really do, but I think most pac uh, I'm sorry, most Heisman voters have gotten lazy and do what uh, ESPN and national media tell them to do because Michael Penix, there's no question he's having a great year. But you look at some of the other guys that are com- considered contenders like Caleb Williams, uh, Shador Sanders was, uh, Bo Nix, even the Washington State quarterback was getting some run. Now, you tell me, are there that many just great quarterbacks in the Pac-12? Or that many terrible pass defenses in the Pac-12? Yeah, I would 
be willing to bet it's a little bit of the latter there. But my question is just I don't are there any like skill players that have gotten any run this year outside of like Blake Corum at Michigan? I know he was early on in your list, but ever since then it's just been quarterbacks and, I, and that's not just your list, Obi. I don't think any well, well, who is there? Yeah. You know, really the, the the running back that's you know, running backs just about has to have a two thousand yard season, just mm-hmm. or close to it. Uh, who who is that? Now, you know, the receiver, okay, so we Luther Burden is he? You know, you gotta call him a Heisman contender. Now, I I think the best player on LSU's offense <laughs> is the receiver. Uh, and why I can't think of his name is because of early, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Malik Neighbors. Na- neighbors, yeah, yeah, one of your neighbors. Um, he may be the best player in the country, but um, but Jaden Daniels gets credit for every time he throws and Jaden Daniels had a great year. So uh, I'm one of those guys that doesn't like to be locked into a quarterback, but t- tell me who's the option. Yeah. If I'd- Travis Hunter doesn't get hurt, you think he's anywhere in that picture? Probably not because uh, Shadur would still be uh, the guy had they not. Uh, plus, they're not that good. Yeah. yeah. You got to be a winning team. Unless you're Paul Hornig from Notre Dame in 1956, <laughs> I think it was it, some something like that. Uh-huh. The only Heisman Trophy winner from a losing team, of course, was Notre Dame. So that doesn't, you know, the, the the rules don't apply. And the media and its 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 infinite wisdom chose him over Jim Brown. Yeah, Obi, we're going to hit a break on the other side. We're going to get into your SEC power rankings, and we're going to do a little pick six. All right. All right. All right, you're listening to Texags Radio presented by David Gardner Schoolers. Welcome back in Texags Radio presented by David Gardner Schoolers. We're inside the Rollo Insurance Studio, and it is the Go Hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. OB, before we get into your power rankings and uh, pick six, we got a fun text on the uh, text line. So we'll go back to the Angry Elephant Social Center. Leanna, go ahead and read that one for us. So an anonymous texter asked, OB, you talked about getting Connor ready in the off week. What about Marcel Reed? Yeah, I wonder if Marcel's physically ready, right? Um, Maybe. Um, I think that we saw that Connor was – I just don't know that that, uh, Marcel – and his development is probably at a stage that Connor was last year. Now I haven't seen Marcel play, but physically, want to understand he's he may not be physically. It's probably best for him to grow a year. Mm-hmm. I got you. I'm, well, let's. What I understand. Where do you want to start, Ob? Do you want to do your power rankings, or do you want to just knock out some some pick six real quick? And you're in charge, dude. Okay. I'm all right. Let's let's do a little pick six action. Let's start there. All right. Okay. okay, week eight. We're going to start off first game on the list. Number 17, Tennessee at number 11, Alabama. 2.30 kickoff at Bryant-Denny. That game's on CBS, and Alabama is favored by nine and a half. Man, you know, I think Alabama's going to win that game, but that is a – I mean, it, it, that, that's a rivalry game. Yeah. That's an arch rivalry game, and uh, I've seen worse team Tennessee teams in this one play close against better Alabama teams in yeah. this one. Remember Mount Cody blocking a couple of 
field goals back in 07, or think it was, I think it was about that. But I'm going to take Tennessee and the points. I think A&M wins. I think Alabama wins. I think A&M should have won both. <laughs> but I think Alabama wins. But I think Tennessee can stay within nine and a half, you know, nine points. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it last year. I don't remember what the line was. Maybe you have a better recollection, but I feel like Bama obviously was a better team than they are this year. So I'm sure they were a little bit more favored, heavily or more picked. But I mean, this year it just seems like they're a lot more evenly balanced than they have been, which is the case for the entire SEC. So I mean, it it looks like it's going to line up as as just another classic like last year. Who do you want to win? Uh, Tennessee, I guess. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I think we're going to give our pick six tomorrow. We'll do <laughs> yeah, this yeah. again. So. I didn't ask who you're picking. You think win. I'm just asking who you want to win. I guess Tennessee. Yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> neutral about it, to be honest. Tennessee winning at least keeps the West open. a little bit more open, even though there's like barely any hope. Thinking big picture. I like yeah, it, Luke. I would like Tennessee to win. There you go. Okay. Yeah, let's get to the next game. OB, your favorite team from Gambling Geezers, the South Carolina Gamecocks, going to number 20, Missouri. Missouri is giving seven and a half points. You know what? I'm going to give them those seven and a half points to, to the Cox. Wow. And I'm taking Missouri. I'm gonna... Missouri has the worst pass defense in the nation. 133rd out of 133. And Missouri's not great. But they can throw the ball around. What's Luther Burton and uh, Brady Cook going to do to the to that Gamecock defense? Yeah, I'm just surprised it's only a seven and a half spread. I mean, you'd think six and one Missouri, you'd, you'd favor them by a little bit more over a two and four South Carolina team. But again, and then, that, that, game's in, that game's in Columbia, right? It is, yes, sir. Yeah. So yeah, which one? Nick? Oh, good one. Yeah. Columbia, Missouri. I'm just being a wise guy. Yeah, he, that, he, he, said, he got me. He said that on Gambling Geezers too, and it just didn't hit at all. It took me a moment to process, but that was a good one, Ob. How long have you been sitting on that? Uh, forever. Ob, you could totally get him back about all of his. You get to do that joke once a year. You're right. Yeah, very true. Until next year, then it ends. Yeah, man, that's going to be weird. Anyways, next game, number 16, Duke, going to Florida State. They're ranked fourth. 6:30 kickoff. There at uh, Bobby Bowden Field at Dope Campbell Stadium, ABC Bowden. broadcast. Florida State favored by thirteen and a half. You know what I'm hearing there? You know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing the El the Elko Echo. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to take Duke. You're going to give me Duke and 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 Mike Elko and that defense. You're going to give me four what fourteen and a half? Did you say thirteen and a half? Okay, thirteen and a half. Yeah, I'll take the points. Uh, I saw. Uh, Duke play a heck of a game and almost beat Notre Dame. Um, I know they're on the road, but you know, I think the field's still 100 yards long, 53 and a third wide. So give me 13 and a half points of Mike Elko. Okay. Next up, we've got Clemson at Miami. Clemson is giving three and a half points on the road. I'll give them Clemson. Give me Clemson. I, I've never believed in Miami. I, um, and, uh, I still don't. That's why it makes that game two of the of the season so difficult for me to accept. Yeah. Next one for you, OB. Number 14, Utah going to number 18, USC. 7 o'clock kickoff out at the uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Fox broadcast, USC, six-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. 
Yeah, I'm taking USC. I'm going to give the 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 set. I think USC wins by a touchdown. Look, for all their issues, USC can score, and I know their defense reeks, uh, but I don't know that Utah is explosive enough offensively to consistently uh, to consistently exploit that defense. But I think I, I think. USC can score on just about anybody except Notre Dame. Well, apparently, right, Luke, you said Cam Rising might be back, but it's been a might be back, yeah. might be back for a while now. So if he was, does that sway your opinion not, at all? Not year, we're talking about a guy that hadn't played in yeah. a year. No, yeah. look, they're gonna they're gonna score. It, that's USC's defense. Uh, if your initials are USC, your defense sucks, <laughs> right? But, but. The Trojans can score, mm-hmm. so uh, and a lot. So I just think they'll just. I, I, I may be way off, but I just think Utah is going to have a difficulty keeping up. So you're picking the Trojans to cover. I am picking the Trojans to cover. Got it. Well, I always think that USC stood for University of Swiss Cheese uh, defense. Oh, that's but- good. It's typically University of Spoiled Children. Yeah, that works too. University of Swiss cheese. (laughs) Yeah, let's get to the last game. Uh, I'm not Nittany Lion to you, OB. Uh, This is probably Uh, the biggest game of the week. Yes, I reused that from Gambling (laughs) Geezers, but it was too good not to. Uh, It's number seven, Penn State, at number three, Ohio State. The Big Ten, big noon kickoff. Ohio State is giving three and a half points. You know, those teams seem uh, pretty pretty, uh, evenly evenly matched matched to me. I know Penn State really hadn't played anybody. But they've been dominant. Ohio State, you know they they played well against Notre Dame. Um, have they, other than that that game that was given to them? Um, I think I'm going to take Penn State in the points. I don't feel good about like if I was in Vegas, I wouldn't even bet this game. I'd stay away yeah. from it. But since, since it's on our list, I'm taking Penn State uh, and the points. Yeah, to be honest with you, I haven't I have seen the least amount of Ohio State up to this point in the season than I think I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of their uh big game with US was it USC or Notre, Notre Dame, sorry, Notre Dame, earlier yeah. in the year, uh where they won on that last second. That's about all I've seen of them. Yeah. So I agree with you, Obi. That's kind of a yeah. I don't I, know what to think. I, I, I'm I'm thinking James Franklin's gonna make sure he has eleven players on defense at all times. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good point. All right, OB, quickly, we're gonna get into your SEC power rankings. Uh so whenever you're ready, take it away. Okay, be sure be be glad uh go ahead and disagree whenever you want. Number right. one, I got Georgia. Number two, I'm saying Alabama. Number three, I'm not even believing this. I'm putting Ole Miss. Uh, but they did beat LSU, and LSU's number four on my list, followed by Missouri. Okay. Uh, six, I have Kentucky. Why? Missouri beat Kentucky. Kentucky beat Florida. And I have Florida number seven, which means I have Tennessee number eight. Okay. Because Florida beat them. And then uh, number nine is Texas A&M because Tennessee beat them. And then I have number 10, Arkansas, because A&M beat them. Uh, number 11, Auburn. Number 12, South Carolina. 13, I've got Mississippi State. And 14, the mighty Vanderbilt Commodores. Okay, so we got... I made a list just for fun. Um, my our list varies quite a bit, but I, I think that's just because I'm stupid is all it is. But I, I see what you did with, there with kind of the okay, they beat what? them, so they beat them. I got. Well, don't you play to find out who's better? 
Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, I <laughs> looking at my list now and hearing yours, I probably agree more with yours, but just well, kind of thinking it out, I had Georgia, Bama, LSU, Tennessee, which obviously you think that is absurd. Ole Miss, Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, A&M, and then everyone else kind of just... I wouldn't say absurd because I think between... Uh, first of all, I think LSU is still better than Ole Miss, even though they lost. But you gotta, you gotta, you know, respect the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think after LSU and maybe Ole Miss, everybody say starting with Missouri is all about the same. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something so I, controversial, but I think Vanderbilt is better than Mississippi State. Wow, <laughs> I believe that. So they're 13, not 14. That's my only objection with your power rankings, OB, though. I think I think and what you, you did that with on, the transitive property is is valid. You, you base that on? I just think they look good against Georgia. Okay. Scored 20 on Georgia. Yep. That's it. All right. <laughs> All right, OB. Well, we got uh, Stephen McGee coming in studio, so we'll, so we'll let you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and talking to Joni and all them. Thank you again for hopping on with us and enjoy your day off tomorrow, or I guess travel day for you tomorrow. No, tonight. No, I'm oh, you'll be back tonight. tonight. Okay. Well, sweet. Travel safe. Thank you again. And uh, on the other side here on TechSags Radio, our quarterback one, Stephen McGee. We'll be right back. Welcome back in. TechSags Radio presented by David Gardner Jewelers. We're here inside the Rollo Insurance Studio, and it's the Go Hour presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Maroon never looks so good with Maroon U. We got our QB1, Paragon Financial's best, and awkward <laughs> Stephen McGee in studio with us. You know what I've noticed about the young generation? What's up? Well, multi- multitude of things, honestly, but... Y'all's generation carries around water bottles, like big plastic water bottles. It's a thing nowadays. It is. It's very much. My generation is carrying around coffee cups. So have you noticed that? Yeah, I agree. Okay. There's, I, I'm pretty sure like almost everybody back there probably brings in a big old water bottle. See, I, I carry it around, but I probably don't drink enough out of it. Just kind of have it. Bad habit. I don't know. But you're also a disciplined like orange fitness or orange <laughs> theory. Dude, What's it called? That's what it is yeah orange theory was. i don't work there anymore you don't no you yelled at the last person and that was the last <laughs> that, yeah, day they, they cut ties <laughs> they cut ties you're too aggressive yeah maybe so i got a life straw have you heard of this yeah water bottle so you can literally dip your water bottle into the creek oh like filters it and it filters it for you so i got it before last week's trip to tennessee because i was going hiking in the mountains nice mm-hmm. with my old teammate kirk elder who's a green beret and he likes to go off the grid. Oh yeah. And I didn't want to die of thirst. There was a million things I could have died of on that trip, but it wasn't going to be because I was thirsty. Yeah. And it came through. That's I've, I've had my water bottle since I was in middle school and I get what you're saying because I don't know if plastic water bottles were a thing in like 1960 when you were in middle school. They weren't that, you know, it was the beginning generation of the Gatorade squeeze bottle on the sidelines, you know? Yeah. Um, do that motion one, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are silly, see? Okay. He's got more zingers than I do. Really. <laughs> so here's another thing of your generation. Crew socks. I had a high school kid tell me that my no-show socks were zesty. <laughs> I got no-show I'm socks. I'm wearing no-show. Yeah. All right. Here's, here's the final thing. 
and I'll, I'll we'll move on to whatever we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's okay. Croc sandals. I don't have Crocs. Croc no, sandals with the little buttons in the holes. Bless it. I can't do that, man. Like I, I think I've seen. And they'll work out at the gym in oh, the Crocs with weird. crew socks. That is kind of strange. Kind of? Very. Yeah. Thank you. Very. Yeah. But anyways, I guess we can dive into football. We got we got a couple minutes left here. So uh, just, you know, <laughs> Tennessee game's kind of been beaten to death on here, but we'll dive into it for just a bit. So just in, in your eyes, what exactly went, went sideways for the Ags? I think a multitude of things. You know, it's the... I'm. I think the the weird thing about this season is you've seen this team really shift, and you feel like now it's you can pin it more or so on the offense. The defense has played more or yeah. less winning football. Yeah, they gave up what was it 220 yards rushing or thereabouts. They gave up contain too much in the run game against Tennessee, but by and large, they did their job. They've they bend but they don't break. You had a special team touchdown, so they gave up 13 points, and I think the same is true against Bama. You didn't feel like the defense cost you the football game. You, you'd have to say it was on the offense. And offensively, I know a lot of people want to – you know, the quarterback always gets too much credit when things go good and too much blame when things go south. And I think Max is probably taking too much blame right now. Mm-hmm. Um, is he playing elite-level football? No, I, I'm not going to say that. But, you know, he's – up front, the offensive line has been much discussed. Like they, It's hit or miss with them. Like, it, the protection – is really, really good. Those pockets are amazing. You know, I could sit back there and throw and complete a pass at times. But then at other points in time, it's they're with him, right? Then you could say, okay, well, these wide receivers that are supposed to be so great, you turn on the, the sky cam and you look at the big picture, there's not a lot of separation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Running backs in pass pro have been spotty at best, right? You got a lot of young guys that are getting their first snaps. And so... When you start to put it all together, you're saying, well, Max isn't getting a lot of help on a lot of these plays. And I don't care if you put Tom Brady back there, it's going to be difficult. I thought he competed well. He made some really gutsy throws where he's staying in the pocket and he is getting decleated and he'll complete a pass, you know, one early in the game on third and 10, backed up, and Evan Stewart drops it, hits him right in the hands, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, the, the interception late. The first one, I think, was a bad throw. Like, it just, it air airmailed on him. But the last one, it was fourth down and 10. He had to throw it. Like, those are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Max has got to get rid of the football, right? He's got to be decisive. I think the play calling is the final thing I want to emphasize. It's, I feel like so much has been required of them getting passes downfield. Five and seven step timing passes that take quite a bit of time to develop, Right. Well, that makes it hard in your offensive line, makes life difficult in your quarterback because he has to stay in there longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, more quick passes, um, screen passes on early downs, right? Like ways in which you can get the ball out of your hands because you're not going to be able to just line up and run the football right now. Like you just, it's hit yeah. or miss in that. So that's a long-winded answer there, but like I just, it's frustrating because you know that there's the ability there and it's just not all come together. Yeah. Quickly, uh, got about 90 seconds here. Just you mentioned the pressure, and as a quarterback, like what is that like when you know <laughs> pretty much every play it feels it seemed like on Saturday 
he was getting knocked down. Like, what is that like as a quarterback? It's horrible. It really is. Like, it reminds me of training camp with the Dallas Cowboys because the third offense would go against the first defense. Mm-hmm. So I had a Hall of Famer, DeMarcus Ware, teeing off on me every play. I couldn't get the pass off. Mm-hmm. And then I would get yelled at for taking a sack. Well, DeMarcus Ware was going against a rookie free agent left tackle and was untouched every play. And so it's it makes life very, very difficult. Um I feel for him. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and then and then not to mention like how many snaps are on the ground? Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. Too many. Like the basics. Mm-hmm. We're struggling to do the basics. And then we haven't even discussed the debacle that's become third and one or fourth mm-hmm. and one or even fourth and short. We can't yeah. we can't get that right. Yeah, we'll talk about that with Swope and McGee on the other side. Keep it right here, Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Welcome back in TechSags Radio presented by David Gardner Jewelers. We're here inside the Rollo Insurance Studio and joining us, former Texas A&M wide receiver Ryan Swope. Howdy, good to have you. Hey, how you guys doing, man? We're uh, we're making it. Yeah. Apparently apparently you're a little uh, frustrated coming here. Yeah, a little bit, man. A little bit as I got McGee over here tweeting. McGee. McGee. <laughs> I was checking my sleep score. Wow. How'd you do? How'd you, green, green, yellow, red. I got a green, 84. Good. That's oh, you good. executed. Good I got to rest. I, I got wonder what mine is, dude. Three nights of red sleeping in a tent with Kirk Elder in a <laughs> smoky mountain park. That was miserable. Oh, gosh. How was Just that? for the record. Off, like, Did y'all have a fire? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. In the rain. Oof. Dude, they're, they're just Did he tougher. say Good. Jackson, Chris, and Kirk tougher than I am. You said like, they're all Green Beret, or just one of them is a Green he's, Beret. Kirk is. Did Kirk. y'all like kill any like snipe or anything like that? <laughs> that's <laughs> where we should have done snipe hunting. David is snipe hunting right now. <laughs> of course that's he, he is. is. <laughs> I uh, I didn't get any sleep. Like I came back physically exhausted, and it it probably took me three nights of rest before I felt good. Mm. I slept for five hours. Night one, I got like an eighty-five recovery. Mm-hmm. green green like i was just so physically exhausted mm-hmm. yeah Sorry. i felt like i was going through buds school you know oh, like boy. oh yeah. Seals? yeah yeah that's how i used to treat my fitness class you got the haircut for it did y'all go like <laughs> <laughs> i you know here like fly fishing or like or no we went hiking hiking yeah we went up in the like top of the mountains we were like no cell phone service in camp had a pop-up tent on top of the truck they had a, another tent Cooked over a fire, steaks, some steaks. Yeah, they were. Chris could cook. I mean, like we had good food, but I can't go off the grid for three days. <laughs> no shower. Oh yeah, didn't shower for four days. Ended Rough up showering thing. at the like, Asheville, North Carolina YMCA. Got a day pass. Went in there, took a took a shower on the way back home. That's awesome. Did had one meal of food, one in twenty four hours. That's awesome, hey. man. Get good. I was cranky. I was like Dude. an old woman. Like you know the Snickers commercial? That yeah. was me. I felt like you're they not, were having you're not you when you're hungry. Woman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Swope, it's been actually last time I think you were on the show was before the Bama game. So yeah. we haven't talked to you in a while. Uh just <laughs> what what have you what do you make of everything <laughs> that's go. that has preceded that? Well, uh yeah, I've had a couple weddings here, so I hadn't unfortunately I've kind of been out the last two weeks and um, but everything I hadn't gotten, I didn't get to watch the Alabama game and I got to see bits and pieces of the Tennessee game. And, um, 
but everything I saw and everything I've been reading about and just kind of puzzling these games together, it's not good. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got a, a lack of continuity um, in that locker room on our offensive line. We can't protect our quarterback. Um, and we can't put the ball in the end zone. I saw a stat that we when's the last time we've scored a second second half touchdown? I think it was three or four games ago. Wow. You ain't gonna, you're not going to win football games if you can't put the ball in the end zone. And this is crazy we're even sitting up here talking about this because I would have thought week one, two, three, what was our big concern? It was defense. defense. Yeah. yeah. And here we are talking about how can we score? How can we put the ball in the end zone? And I feel like our play calling has been below average. Um, now it's obviously hard when you can't <clears throat> protect your quarterback can't run the ball effectively it's hard to it's hard to get the ball in the end zone when you can't do those things so yeah what are you looking to see what improvements and what changes do you think need to be made during the bye week you've been in that locker room before what is practice what should it be like during this week and what goals need to be accomplished it's a great question um well first things first you got to get healthy um you got to take care of your body and um I guess you just kind of got to hit the reset button. Um, I don't know. I I think it's a little different these days. At least it does feel different from me being a fan versus me being a player. You're at least competing, trying to go get in a bowl game, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now you got – bowl games don't matter. I mean, half the team sits out of the bowl game. And so you're (laughs) – I mean, you ultimately – you're kind of just playing, I think, to – you're playing for improvement. You're, you're almost playing for next year at this point. Let's get real. Uh, you're, 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 how can we get better and improve as a, as a football team and, and you know, come back better and stronger for next year? Because ultimately all these guys, they're playing for one thing. They, we want to win a championship around here. Mm-hmm. And so I think at this point, um, I'm not going to say you're going to lose your locker room, but uh, – and you kind of lose your locker room, you lose interest. Uh, so, and I mean, would you agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we playing for? The GoDaddy's Bowl or the Mayonnaise Bowl at this point? <laughs> or, I mean, are we going to get excited about that around here? No. <laughs> so good. It's perfectly said. I, so, essentially, if you went out to see, like, let's say you have a remarkable finish, which I don't think anybody, based on what we've seen, expects this football team to win out. The remainder of the schedule but let's just say hypothetically you do you're still sitting there saying well man that was a disappointing year right i mean that's where the bar is right now at texas a&m with the amount of ability you have on that roster everything they have from uh, a tools perspective to to win football games you have it all and so that really is the bar and i i'm i echo what swope said i mean i think unfortunately it's it's going to be a disappointing year unless um you win 10, 11 games every year. Yeah, I hate to bring this negativity because I'm sure y'all have been uh, beating this horse for quite a while, but uh, it sucks, man. Yeah. yeah. We're, 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 we, have, we should have expectations and a winning mentality because we have everything here at Texas A&M to be a championship football team, but we are below average mm-hmm. year in, year out. Yeah. So I, why, why? That's the that's the 
what I what I refer to as the one billion dollar question in the off season, and um, I don't know. It's just I wish we could figure perplexing. it out. I know. Yeah, we before the show even started, we got a text, uh, and it they asked specifically for y'all. Would love to hear Stephen McGee and other ex Aggie offensive players comments on why the Aggie offense seems to be so good at scoring on the first couple drives and is anemic after that. First couple, he understands that the first couple drives are somewhat scripted, but given this, what does it? Uh, what's likely not working? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the big things I, I see this from our perspective on defense, like when you're playing even a, a lesser quality opponent, I don't know, pick it, like uh, Sam Houston State at home. I mean, there's there's times when, yeah, clearly they're an out, outmatched opponent, but in the first couple drives, you see their offense move the football. It takes your t- your defense time to adjust to figure out. This is how they line up. This is how their cadence works. This is what, you know, and then once you kind of figure out your defense settles in and then you're able to to, to expose and their weaknesses, whether yeah. it's just little things like figuring out their cadence, whether they're on the clap, whether they're doing audible. So there, there's that element certainly uh, where defenses figure us out a little bit and kind of figure out how we line up and where how guys block up front, et cetera. But, you know, I think that, to Swope's point, there's been an element of I feel like our offense has been very stagnant from a play calling perspective. Mm-hmm. And I again I, I said this earlier in the show, like you the worst thing you can do right now as an offense is get behind the chains. So negative plays have hurt this offense. You can't afford to do that. But you've got to have plays that get the ball out quick. Like you've got to play downhill. And then it's on place five, six, seven, eight. Once the drive is extended and you get a defense that's a little bit more tired that can't pin their ears back like they did on place one, two, three, now you take your shots, right? I think that's the DNA that will lead to successful offensive football. It's not when you come out and you first play the game, you're striking up a double move that takes you know a seven-step, two-hitch two timing throw. I mean, mm-hmm. that, good luck, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think he said it perfectly. <coughs> but my thing is, I think the good offenses, they they make progress. Like, instead of regressing, the good offenses make progress. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we go out and we score the first half, or, you know, first drive of the, of, of the first half, uh, and we do that early. Will the good offenses continue to find ways to go put the ball in the end zone? Mm-hmm. So, because there's there's going to be adjustments made. So ultimately, the good offenses that are coached well and that have a good scheme in place realize that they're making changes and then adapt to those changes and progress and get better. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like there's a void. I think this is a microcosm of the bigger picture, too. I mean, from week week one till week 12, good football teams continue to get better. I mean, in the NFL, it's completely different than college football. I I get that. But I remember the New York Giants when they won the Super Bowl. I think they were like, was it nine and seven? But they won just enough games at the end. They got hot the last four games of the year, Mm -hmm. and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So it's the teams that get hot late that end up making a really good run. Same deal. You expect your your football team to continue to progress and get better throughout the year. Look at Georgia right now. I think they're progressing. I mean, Penn Penn State. Look at all the teams that are still undefeated. Like, there were some weeks where you felt like, ah, they they didn't look great. But they find ways to progress and get better. They figure out who they are as a football team, and they play to those strengths every week. 100%. I don't know if we're doing that, man. 
I don't, I don't. I don't think we are. Twenty twenty no. might have been the last time you saw the team get better every single week. Now, yeah. could you say that defensively? Maybe uh, you can. Yeah. This is. I I'm talking. Like this is better. Hundred percent. Offensively, <clears throat> defense played great. How about special teams? We haven't mentioned mm -hmm. special teams. So four weeks in a row, where you have not given Regress. up. Yes. You've given up a non-offensive touchdown. That's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Missed field goals every week almost. You're on just. Basic Dude. kick cover. Don't, don't forget about the touchdowns you've given up against Bama and Tennessee, but just basic kick cover. They're getting the ball consistently on the 30-plus yard line. That's huge. Yeah. From a statistics perspective, if you look at where an offense starts a drive, whether that be on the 20, with each additional 10 yards, your likelihood of getting points on that drive goes up substantially. Yeah, I'll never forget that statistic. It's always – so field position matters. I remember against, the Bama, against Bama – on just kickoff cover, they were consistently getting the ball outside the 30, like 30, 35 yard line. That's huge. Huge. Mm -hmm. You're playing in That's a hole. A, yeah. Yeah. And then punt, like we, we haven't, I don't feel like we've punted the ball well. No. Oh, no not it's at all. It's been terrible. We hadn't done. And I'm not a, you know my, my feelings toward special teams. Can't run the ball. I, can't run the ball. That's one of, that's, a, that's the other thing. Even though I love eight, I love Ma. No, like, eight can run. No, it's, it, it's I mean, it's look, not on him. Like he's it's a, not on him. That dude's gritty, and I love him. Like in, but we can't run it consistently. Like, which, like, which then we can't pass the ball either. Yeah, which, which if you can't run the ball. It, I mean, if you can't run it consistently, they, then you're going to be in situations when yeah, you you get shut on first down. Now all of a sudden you're in second and ten and third and ten, which makes life miserable for Max. So you kind of yeah. become Here's, the victim to your own failures. Yeah, and it just kind of. Yeah, offsides, penalties, shooting yourself in the foot, you know, false starts, all that stuff. That stuff. It, it, it's, it, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Absolutely. And you kill drives, you kill tempo, you kill momentum. And offensively, you, you cannot afford, especially right now, you could afford it when you're playing, you know, Lafayette or, or you know, ULM or, or Maine. Mm-hmm. But this is the SEC West. They got a football team. Maine, <laughs> Maine has a great program. Let me tell you, boys, they are trending up. <laughs> you can, you, okay, you can get away with that stuff mm -hmm. when you're playing those teams. Yeah, hundred percent. This is the SEC West. Yeah, yeah. We do this stuff every single week. We jump off sides. We 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 give up penalties. We can't snap the football to our quarterback. I saw he had seven or eight bad snaps. Yeah. You know, he had three, you know, three hurries and, and um I mean there's just no continuity on that line. Yeah. This is and honestly it's sad because this is quite frankly a very weak SEC West. Yeah. Yeah. No but kidding. this is a we're we, I mean we're 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 in a dark place. Yeah. Let's look uh, a week ahead to the South Carolina game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, yeah let's yeah. do that. Let, let's get a little positive. Yeah, uh, let's get positive. Well, let's get negative first. Last year, played South Carolina <laughs> off a bye and lost. They were not ready to play that game at all. The kickoff return, the bad like, snap. It was like 20 to 0. 17 nothing yeah. like, with like five minutes into yeah. the game. So what do you need to see in the first five minutes of this game off a bye? What's your checklist? Right, let's not jump off sides and burn timeouts, maybe. <laughs> you can't beat yourself to Swope's point, but – you better get after their quarterback. Yeah. If you give him time, I'm not trying to act like I'm a Spencer Rattler fan at all. He's pretty good. He's gotten up. He's gotten better. He has unbelievable arm talent, yeah. right? Can we say that? Like he just a pure thrower ball. of the football. Yeah. 
So like last year, we give him time. He's going to pick you apart. And I think, unfortunately, that he could be the best passer that we're going to face all year in 12 games, yeah. like just a That's pure it. thrower. And so that scares me a little bit, right? If you mm -hmm. can't get home, because there's been moments, as good as this defensive line is, we don't have a true, like, pure edge pass rusher like a Von Miller, right? So there has been times when they've been blocked up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like the second half of Alabama or the Miami game, and you can see what happened. You know, their quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards. So yeah. that's my concern. And then offensively, you know, just staying in front of the chains. Eliminate the negative plays, the pre-snap penalties, the turnovers. All those things are the typical ingredients of successful football. Just don't beat yourself. I mean, we're going to be the better football team again for another week, but that doesn't mean anything. You've got to go out there and execute football plays. Yeah. How does Spencer Rattler – I know that this is BS. I've had a football operations guy tell me this once, but his NIL valuation, he's like the third or fourth highest NIL valuation guy in the country. Would you have guessed that? Like his NIL no. valuation is like $3 million. I would have believed that back when he transfered, but I like mean – today. I, I guess – I know that that's, that's all. That's wild. It's yeah. all BS. But where do you find these stats? <laughs> I follow this thing on Instagram. It's like nil valuation something, and it, put, it every week Spencer Rattler's up there. Really, he must be just willing. Like to higher go. than, like, and I'll tell you another guy up there is Arch Manning, which I guess is just the name. Yeah, but like he, I think Spencer Rattler. Can you was see a, how much these players? I'd be interested in how it's they not. Even it's not how much they pay. I think it has potential to do with like how many value. follow. Yeah, potential yeah. value. It's uh, not true. Are these guys like how does this? I, I, please I, educate me. <laughs> he must have a lot Spencer of Spencer Rattler. Like show up on Monday and he's got like a uh, just a stack of cash sitting in his locker. No, I think it's like brand deals and the kind of exposure that he has. He was a very popular high school recruit, so he's carried that momentum into right. Social media no, I understand that, but how does it? Like, uh, I mean, Connor is. I'm just Connor Wigman. You know, he's. Does he show up on a Monday and no, like, oh you know, man, like you know who the most valuable just, how does this a &M athlete is? Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart. Mm -hmm. his, his his NIL value yeah. it used to be. It used to be like consistently he was in the top so seven of through his, companies, like corporations. I think what they're doing, he's, I think they heavily weighted toward how many followers you have yeah, on Yeah, I was about to say he's got a lot of it's uh, not a true number. TikTok followers, I think. Yeah, right? Luke might know more about that. But anyways, Jared. Uh, sorry, we're getting so off topic. <laughs> You're good. NIL and all this stuff. I, I'm just curious. Does, I don't so how does it work? Did you see this one, Caleb Williams? How much is he worth? Uh, he's he's not as worth as some of like he's up there, but he's not one of the highest guys. Like there's people that don't even play that are higher than him. But um, he wants partial ownership stake of the team that yeah. drafts him in the 2024 NFL draft. I don't think that was true. I think that's that's uh, fake news. That's a little bit of fake news. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what he's, I, what I, I screenshot. I was like, he's dude, that's doubling all, that's down. <laughs> he's no doubling after down. After he threw three picks and lost. Yeah. <laughs> he's I'll, like, I want. I want. Well, what I have seen about Caleb Williams is his NIL, I guess, in evaluation, whatever he's getting is he's got enough to say, okay, well, let's say the, what, the Broncos might be the first overall pick. He's got oh, enough gosh. to say, well, they're probably going to pick me. I don't want to go there. I'll come back. To USC for another year, yeah, do and the, wait and hope you get a better or, draw, or do an Eli Manning, right? This is yeah. gonna, this is so crazy. It is kind me. of ridiculous. This, this is getting this is it's too much. It's too much, man. They need to focus on winning a dang football game. That's that's one of the things. It, that kind it's of sad me off. that all this, all this, <laughs> that's bull crap. That is bull crap. <laughs> focus on playing football. You let all of us <sighs> talk about the everything is all about money these days. Man. I know, dude. 
It's not, all about money. How much? Co- how team. much can we pay this coach? How much can we pay these players? Yeah, how, and it's a huge, huge, huge distraction. Totally, huge. Totally agree. Maybe look what, the, maybe look that's what the we've done. Problem. Look what us. we've done. Maybe we've spent more money, and we've. I mean, golly, I'm just getting mad about it, man. Frustrated. I yep. guarantee you, we, can, we will not be able to solve it right here. So, no, we can't. So, uh, this so, is probably four of the best and brightest minds to figure it out. Definitely. We, yeah, we We're focused try. on other things. Yeah. Uh, I would love, I'm just going to be honest with you, though. I would feel so much better if we just, if we were to win out, make, make lemonade, right? Like just find a way, get hot. Just like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, at the end of the day, as an Aggie, there's always a chance. That I was about to say. The thing is, it, it as much as nobody probably wants to hear it, there's a chance that they could because, I mean, outside of Ole Miss and – yeah, Richard disagrees. Ole Miss and LSU. <laughs> uh, Who was that? That was that Richard, was that was Richard that, yelling at me. It's scary. <laughs> but, uh, Ole Miss, LSU, obviously, big road tests. Got to prove you can win a road game, right? Yeah. That's 1A, 1A. But, I mean, again, they're – Hopefully they're close games. That's all I got to say. But um, yeah, we got to hit a break. We're up against it. Mr. Swope, Mr. McKee. <laughs> Thank y'all so Here's much for coming University. in. Here's the main university. I appreciate it. it. Yeah, of Thank course. We really appreciate it. Uh, on the other side, me and Luke talk a little bit of uh, Aggie basketball, and we'll hear from Buzz Williams. That and more on the other side. This is Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. We'll go back in. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. We're here inside the Rollo Insurance Studio. Leanna's hanging out at the uh, Angry Elephant Social Center. And by the way, uh, before we talk a little bit of Aggie basketball here, T-Mobile is teaming up with Moose Muhammad, Bryce Anderson, and Damani Richardson to help Aggie fans get connected to their favorite players. Stop by the T-Mobile store on Texas Avenue from 5 to 6.30 on Sunday, October 22nd. That's this coming Sunday to meet the Aggies and enter uh, to win prizes such as a Yeti cooler for your next tailgate, tickets to an upcoming game, and more. Come support our Aggies Gig'em. Again, that's at the uh, T-Mobile store on Texas Avenue this Sunday, October 22nd from 5 to 6.30. Luke Evangelist here with me. Nick Savage filling in for David Nuno today and tomorrow. And uh, Luke, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Aggie basketball. We'll hear from Coach Buzz Williams from SEC Basketball Media Days here in just one second. But I understand you got a few notes yep. for me. Yep. My uh, Arguably my favorite team on campus. It's yep. no secret that I love AM basketball and packing reads. Pack so, read propaganda. Yep. It's worth noting that AM basketball is returning 80% of their production from last season, which is tops in the SEC. What I'm concerned about is I want to know how this team is going to replace Dexter Dennis, not necessarily his points and rebounds and assists. Who's going to replace his energy? He was the big yeah. oomph guy on that team that would spark a run with a big dunk or a big block. Who's going to do that? We know that Jace Carter and Eli Lawrence and Manny Obaski can score, but from that guard position, who's going to bring that energy and that defense and that will? And then finally, I want to see how this team plays away from home in the non-conference. We know they're comfortable at Reed. They've won every single conference game. They've, they almost won every single game yeah. except Walford, uh, but this year they're going at Ohio State, at SMU, and at Virginia, and then a neutral site against Houston. I want to see how they respond early in the year away from the comfortable crowd. Well, I know he talked, you know, Coach Williams talks a little bit about it in the in the press conference you're about to hear, but yeah, I mean, looking at the 
non-conference schedule. That big one you're going to highlight is uh, is Houston. That's mm-hmm. a says neutral site game because it's at the Toyota Center in Houston. But that I mean, well, you never know because I'm sure there'll be plenty of Aggies packing Toyota Center oh, there. Yeah. So I, I I was gonna say it's probably more of a hometown crowd for Houston, but now I think about it, maybe not. But yeah, I mean Virginia, that's an away game. Henry Coleman returning to his home state. I, yeah, I expect big things from him, not only this season, but especially that game with his family watching. You know which one's going to be fun? Penn State in that ESPN tournament. It will. It will be fun if we win. That's what I mean. It's a chance to get a little yep. bit of uh, a little bad taste out of your mouth, I guess, if mm-hmm. if you want to look at it that way. But uh, if you missed it, again, Coach Buzz Williams spoke at the podium yesterday at SEC Basketball Media Days. Go ahead and listen in to Buzz Williams. Hello, Coach uh, Olin Buchanan, Um Buzz, in the past, you've talked about in the process of building your team for a season that sometimes uh, it takes sacrificing maybe a, a game in December to win and a big game in uh, September and March. So with that in mind and with all the uh, – and I'm going to ask two questions, by the way. With that in mind and all the uh, experience you come back, do you do you change that approach because I mean do you feel like this year maybe you don't even have, you don't have to do that? Do you want to ask the second question or am I supposed to answer that one and then you? Well, I, if you do that one, yeah. Um, I, I think we're always behind Olin just because of our process, how we handle September, um, what we do in October, and to some degree, just to be transparent, I think some of that starts in the summer. Every coach has a different philosophy on what they want to do with their team in the summer and what they want to do in September and October. Um, I'm not saying ours is wrong, and I'm not judging others. Uh, I just think that we're always behind. I think we're behind for the right reasons relative to how we go about things, and I do think that we probably win a game or two after Valentine's Day that maybe we wouldn't have expected to win based on their non-conference results. Uh, specific to this year, we do have a lot of returning players, but we're also arguably playing the toughest non-conference schedule that A&M's ever played. And so we don't have much wiggle room to give away possessions at any point. We play eight games in November and five of them are on the road. And so... Um, Hopefully we're a little ahead of schedule because of the returners, but the process that we have followed this summer and up until this point, it's been the same that we always do. If I could ask one more. And um, could you just kind of uh, explain the process of how you got a, a team that you took over that uh, was one of the bottom teams you know, in the SEC, to a team that last year was in the tournament and this year is uh, considered one of the favorites to, to win the conference here in the preseason? Well, I'm not sticking up for head coaches. Uh, there's a lot of head coaches out here now that have done it way better than people that you're going to interview today. But I think sometimes they, they receive too much blame and too much praise. And so I would be foolish to think that it has anything to do with me. I think our staff has been phenomenal in identifying – the right people. Uh, Our players are okay. I don't think we're necessarily the best players, uh, but they're really good people. And how they've been raised and who they have been mentored by, 
we want to make sure that that translates to our program. And I think uh, in this model of college athletics, I think the character piece is really important to have any sustainability. Um, are we good? I don't know. Are we bad? I don't know. But to your point, every year that I've been here, I think it's um, preseason 12th, preseason 11th, preseason 12th, preseason 6th, going into today. So I, I can't take any of the credit. I have to give credit to our staff and I have to give credit to the parents of our players because I think it's been a, a slow build. And in truth, we haven't won an NCAA tournament game, and that's probably what they talk about on your website. Uh, bad coaching, I understand. But I, I think our staff has done a really good job of finding the right people for all of us to coach. John Zane with Associated Press. The, the number of freshmen in Power Five conferences has gone down like 25% over the last four years, four or five years. I know part of that's COVID year, obviously transportal, transfer portal. Is that a concern that there are some some high school prospects not getting chances? And you think it's kind of more typical until the once the COVID year is done and all that? Yeah, good question. I'm not sure uh, what the article is you're writing, but I think there's a lot of layers to that. Um, Every coach would probably have a little bit of a different answer. And to your point, I don't know that any of the data will be conclusive until all of the COVID seniors are done, which I believe will be this year. So is any of... And that was Coach Buzz Williams from SEC Basketball Media Days yesterday. Coach Joni Taylor, uh, Janiah Barker, and I think a, a, a one or two more players from the women's team will be speaking today. OB's out there in Birmingham uh, getting all that good content for you on TechSag. So if you're not a subscriber, head over and check it out. Uh, but right now we're going to hit a break. On the other side, we'll get to Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio and Aaron Torres Online. That's coming up next right here on TechSag's radio, presented by David Garner's Jewelers. You're listening to TechSags Radio via podcast thanks to the 12th Man Foundation, funding scholarships, programs, facilities in support of championship athletics at Texas A&M. Little Stone Temple Pilots bringing you back here on TechSags Radio presented by David Garner Schuler's we're inside the Rollo Insurance Studio and we're going to go out to the hotline with Aaron Torres and Aaron Torres uh, is bringing us around college football. That's brought to you by Millican Reserve, a college station community featuring homes, trails, farms, and wide open spaces with a mission to build a healthy community around nature. Take part in the Millican Reserve community with Conservancy membership. Learn more at millicanreserve.com. AT, what's up? Thanks for coming on with us even when uh, Nuno decides to dip. No, 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 Nick. You need to rephrase that especially when these are the best. Okay, these yeah. are my favorite episodes to do when the, <laughs> the substitute teachers in, we get to have a little bit of fun to spit some spitballs. We, you know, we don't have to be all serious and uptight. No, I'm kidding. I love Nuno, but I love coming on with you and, uh, well, I'm, I'm ready to talk Yankees. I don't know how deep you want to get into last week or if I've been too critical or if everyone's too critical or whatever, but I'm, I'm ready to take it wherever you lead me, my friend. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, overall sentiment just kind of has shifted 
I think that's fair to say. Um, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> I've been checking out your Twitter feed. I've been checking out the Aaron Torres podcast and I know you got some strong takeaways after that uh, loss to Tennessee. So uh, I'll let you take it from there, man. What, what did you see go wrong in, uh, in Rocky top and, uh, <laughs> just what do you, what do you, where do you, where do we go from there? Yeah, you know, and listen, uh, one, after I kind of share my little spiel, I kind of want your opinion as somebody who eats, sleeps, and breathes it every day. You know, listen, I, I I think what's frustrating about last Saturday, and frankly, I think you can go back to two weeks ago when I was maybe a little bit more critical than, than Nuno was. David and I talked about it last week. Is You know, it, they're winnable games where... I'll be honest, I, I feel like the coach lets you down a little bit. And so, you know, I, I look at the situation last Saturday where, um, you know, first of all, and, and by the way, I understand injuries. I understand we're with the backup quarterback. But you just have so many opportunities. You have a situation in the first half for a second straight week where you ha- where the clock, you know, you have, you have an opportunity to stop the clock late in the first half, maybe put up some more points on the board, and you kind of take it into halftime, whatever. I just think it speaks to the larger, you know, the larger situation of all the stats that have been thrown out over the last couple of weeks. Uh, eight straight road losses. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimbo still hasn't beaten a ranked team on the road. And it's one thing if it's Bama or if you're at LSU in a, a peak LSU year and they're just, you know, a national championship contender and you give it your best shot and, and your best isn't good enough. I don't want to speak for anybody. I don't think that's to say them certainly gave their best shot uh, against Tennessee, and it was a shootout where, hey, let me put it this way, Washington and Oregon were on at the exact same time, and that felt like a game that somebody had to lose. Yeah, Tennessee, Texas A&M felt like a game that somebody had to win, um, and there were so many opportunities for Texas A&M, they could not take advantage of them. And so from my perspective, I, I think a lot of it does fall on the coach because whether it's just Saturday or bigger picture, you don't get paid $9 million a year to literally never win on the road, uh, especially against good teams. So that was my perspective. But again, you know, I'm curious from the perspective of the callers and the listeners because I want to be fair and I kind of want to, you know, know if I'm on base or if I'm completely off base. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you're on the right track there. For me personally, just what's the, the frustrating part is, like, you know, the offense – Two weeks in a row, you know, Bama, Tennessee, they they come out, they look good, right? They, they at least Bama, they didn't have the points to show for it, but we're we're in the red zone in, in their first two possessions, so had a chance to to go up early. AM's offense early in the Tennessee game looks good, you know, whether it be scripted plays or whatever they're doing, but they're clicking exactly. and then it kind of just, you know, falls apart in the second half where they where they can't seem to to scrape any points across. So that's where my frustration lies. I don't think you're in terms of the fan base. I don't want to speak for everybody. I don't want to speak for tech sags or anything, but I just, you're on, you're on track there. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been something to cover, but just what, what do you think exactly is, is the culprit for all the road struggles? For the road struggle, you know, I listen, I mean, it, it's a different environment. And I think every game's a little bit different. You know, I would have liked to see Jimbo certainly be a little bit more aggressive against Bama because I thought that was a statement opportunity. You shouldn't be, you know, if if the assumption is Bama is a favorite in College Station, they were picked in the preseason to win the West, you have a chance at home 
um, to make a statement. And oh, by the way, the SEC West is on the line. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I would have liked to see a little bit more aggression. I, I, I think, you know, last week, okay, you can argue you're on the road. Tennessee maybe isn't as good. Maybe you're waiting for Joe Milton to make a mistake. But I, I just think, you know, I think the thing, and I talked about this on my show for sure, I think the thing that stands out is, you know, Jimbo's supposed to be this offensive savant. I understand that he's, you know, handed over play calling duties to Bobby Petrino, and Bobby Petrino's supposed to be an offensive savant. And it just looks to me like he doesn't trust the offense. Now, again, I get it. Max Johnson is not Connor Wigman. I get that this is a backup quarterback. You're on the road. But I also get that, you know, Evan Stewart is going to be a first rounder 18 months from now, whether you throw him a single ball the rest of his career or not. Nia Smith, and they talked about it on every broadcast, came back for moments like Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing I, I, I try not to do is be X's and O's expert and claim that I know more than Jimbo or more than Bobby Petrino, because I certainly don't. But what I think stands out is, you know, we're supposed to have two of the brightest offensive minds in the sport, and it just feels like they don't trust, they don't trust the quarterback, they don't trust the offense. So I think that, to me, you know, when I look at last week specifically, um, again, I get you're on the road, you know, there are certain situations where you want to be a little bit more conservative, but it does feel like a, a degree of he simply, they simply don't trust the offense. Um, and I think that, that that's where I would be concerned when you have an offensive head coach and a very highly paid offensive court. Yeah, we've definitely hit on the struggles these last couple of weeks from the offensive line to the offensive scheme and even to the overall health yeah. of A&M's team. What are you looking for A&M to improve on coming out of this bye week against South Carolina? Within the first five to ten minutes of this game, what changes are you looking for the Aggies to make? Well, I think it's the opposite. Um, first five to ten minutes has gone great the last two weeks. I think it's can you sustain it for 60 minutes. I mean, that is where you have to do it. And I think, you know, one, you're coming off of a bye. The other thing is there's a bunch of winnable games in the back half. Not, not a bunch, but I, I would say a bunch. I, you know, listen, you, you have to not only beat South Carolina, win back the fan base by being aggressive, being fearless. You're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your opportunity. But, you know, listen, I'm not trying to bash on Shane Beamer, but going into this week, South Carolina has the worst defense in the SEC. Win your fan base back, even with Max Johnson. Go for the jugular and don't let your foot off the gas. And You know, don't worry about running it up. Don't worry about next year or gentlemen's agreement or, you know, we got to go to South Carolina. No, no, no. Make your fan base happy. All those people that pay, you know, X amount of dollars for tickets and tailgating and they drive in and they spend their whole day and they spend money on food and they spend money on booze, give them, give them a show. Give them something to be excited about. I think that, to me, is, is, is if I was, you know, if I was Jimbo Fisher's most trusted, um, you know, right-hand person and he listened to me and he said, Aaron, what what do you, what what do I got to do? It's been a bad couple of weeks, but listen, we've also played two really good teams. But we're sitting at four and three. We got this week off. That would be my advice: is dude, go out there, put points on the board. You don't want to embarrass anybody, but give your fans a show and give them a reason for the first time, probably since LSU last year, to really be excited against a, a really good opponent or at least a reasonably good opponent. To me. That's the big thing. It's not about the first five, ten minutes. It's about 60 minutes of not letting your foot off the gas, especially being at home.
talking to Aaron Torres here of Fox Sports Radio and Aaron Torres podcast here on the hotline. Now let's kind of switch it up, talk national college football. <laughs> Enough doom and gloom around here. <laughs> so how much wiggle room? I know. Yeah. How much wiggle room do you think USC has now since they dropped their game uh, to Notre Dame? Not a conference game, not the end of the world, but um, what does that do to their playoff chances? Ah, it doesn't help, you know, and again, I, I know Aggies fans, many of them were at the stadium, and many of them, you know, probably did not see Oregon-Washington, but I don't know how you could come out of Saturday saying that USC is anything other than a step behind Oregon and Washington, um, you know, and you really have four pretty tough games left in the final five weeks when you include Utah this weekend and then UCLA to wrap the year. And so I bring it up because when I look at USC, um, you know, you can talk about wiggle room, but it, 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 you know, listen, this was a year where you made the the the, the, the Pac-12 championship game last year. You bring back a Heisman Trophy winner. You expect to win the Pac-12 and compete for a playoff first. Mm-hmm. So wiggle room's gone. You know, you basically have to run the table, and I just don't see the scenario where that happens. And the other thing too, you know, living in LA, I can say this: I, I don't know if this is the national perception or not. But USC fans, they're no different than any other fan base that has had historic success. Just because they were down for a while, they expect to be good and good right away. And so I just bring it up because, like, there is no grace period. Like, you were good last year. Now we're, we're expecting you to be at the highest level. So even though it's only year two, even though this team has clear deficiencies, nobody is making excuses for them and nobody is allowing uh, – you know, no one is happy with what happened last week. So I think the wiggle room is essentially gone. And now, you know, you got to beat some good teams. And certainly when it comes to, to playing Oregon, you're going to have to do it in a hostile environment at Outson. And so, uh, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks for that program for sure. Yeah, Aaron, could you really quickly give us your must-watch game this week? Yeah, mine is, I mean, listen, Penn State, Ohio State's obvious. And I think, you know, Penn State to me is the most interesting team because they're really the only team left that we haven't seen on any sort of major national stage. Michigan would be the other one, but Michigan has a two-year track record. When the lights come on, uh, they're ready to go, specifically against Penn State and Ohio State. So Penn State's the one. And, you know, what I would say is, I know the game's in Columbus, but I also, you know, Ohio State's very banged up right now. Penn State is essentially coming off a three-week three bye week because they had a bye week, then they played UMass into this game. I'm not saying if Penn State loses it, like the season's over, but you know, I, I think that fan base will be really deflated if, you know, if it's not a, a, you know, a game that could go either way in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't do it this year with the talent that James Franklin accumulated, I don't know when you're going to do it. So that's the must-watch game for me. You know, One that's a little bit off the radar. I do think Ole Miss Auburn is interesting, um, you know, just with the Lane Kiffin ties. You know, some people think he was a, a, a legitimate candidate for the job. Some people don't. Um, you know, Auburn. I think it's kind of an important game for them. You know, I think the goal for them is get get bowl eligible, get those extra practices. But obviously, you get smoked by A and M. You get smoked by LSU. You can't quite get Georgia. This is one you got to have. 
Aaron can't let you go before we talk a little about uh, Aggie basketball. They're they're at, sure. out at uh, Birmingham SEC basketball media day. It's just uh, you know Aggies pick second in the SEC. Wade Taylor the fourth SEC preseason player of the year. Just quickly about a minute or so. What what are your expectations for Buzz Williams and the boys? Yeah, I mean I think you can look at it one of two ways. Um, you know I think some people would say same kind of core. You know, lost in the first, like, what is really the ceiling of this team? I look at it as the exact opposite. Is, and David and I talked about this in, in you know, April and May, is I think because, um, because AM didn't get super splashy in the portal because they didn't have to, because they didn't add a bunch of five stars like a Kentucky or an Arkansas or Bama or whoever, I think people just kind of haven't talked about them because they're bored. Mm-hmm. But listen, as, as a, you know, UConn alum, continuity was the number one thing that helped that team get off to a strong start and ultimately win a national championship. So that's certainly not what I'm saying is going to happen with Texas A&M hoops, but I think because there wasn't that super splashy moment this offseason where you get the high-profile transfer, the five-star recruit, that people don't realize how good this team is going to be. I really, really, really like this team. I think Tennessee should be number one. Texas A&M should be number two, but I wouldn't be surprised if A&M was cutting down the nets as the regular season champ uh, in the SEC in March. Aaron, what can the people find on Aaron Torres online? Yeah, my week eight picks, um, you know, I think we had a fun little debate today over who's actually the best team in college football this year, uh, links to all my podcasts, stuff like that. So, no, uh, definitely Air Tours online. The Air Tours pod will obviously preview week eight in college football. Maybe we talk about college shoots, but no, that, that, that's what's going on. And I very much appreciate you guys as always for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, AT. Talk a little football, basketball with us. Appreciate it. We're going to hit a quick break here. And on the other side, got an open segment. Uh, and yeah, just going to chit chat for a minute. You're listening to TechSags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. Welcome back in. TechSags Radio presented by David Garner Jewelers. We're here inside the Rollo Insurance Studio. And we're going to go back to the Angry Elephant News and Social Center. Leanna Davidson has a text for us. So I'm going to read something that really hurt my soul. So David in Pacific Northwest said, the only thing more disgusting than the Aggie offense is Vegemite. And I had no idea what that was. I had to Google it. And just in case somebody listening doesn't know what it is either, it is a thick, dark brown Australian food spread made from leftover brewer's yeast extract. That sounds incredible. It does. It's it really delicious does. on toast. I can bring some in for you guys. I think you fellas is. should try it. Vegemite. Uh, maybe not. Speaking okay. of hurtful things from people named David, uh, if, in case y'all didn't see, David Nuno took a shot at me on Twitter yesterday. So Texag's internship applications are open and Kay and I made a little video about that promoting it. And in the replies, someone said, I need y'all to get my boy Luke Evangelist a fitted polo. Come on, David Nuno, hook my man up with some gear. David Nuno took that opportunity and replied with, I'll take him to Baby Gap with a laughing emoji. So, David, if you're watching this, I just want you to know how much that hurt my feelings. And unfortunately, Nick and I already tried to go to Baby Gap today, but all the schmediums in that section were sold out, so we couldn't get anything from there. But I appreciate the loving comment, as always. David's the best. Just got to sneak it in when he can. All right. Well, we're going to hit a break here. On the other side, your favorite hour of radio and all of Bryan College Station the Fan Show. We'll have that and more on the other side. Is Sex Ags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Welcome back in. 
Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. A little bit of chaos to start off the fan show presented by Gerard Construction. Uh, custom home builders for the Braz Valley since 2002. They don't just build homes. They, they build, build relationships. relationships. Learn more at Gerard-Construction.com. Matt Browning, Hunter Shirtliff, Roy May with me. Uh, and uh, before, before, before we go there, before we go there, oh boy. and I feel bad because Kelly isn't here to defend himself. How are we feeling about Astros Rangers a little bit? I, I feel like we knew it was going to be a series, and I and I said this last night. If the Astros could find a way to ask Major League Baseball to forfeit their home games and play the rest of them at Globe Life, I feel like I yeah. feel like this is a pretty good series for them, for the Astros. <laughs> we suck at home. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's, it's good watching. I I wonder what the national audience is like. I, I'm not paying attention to that, but it's sure fun for those of us here in the Lone Star State. Yeah, it, it, and it's I, I've actually done a little exercise this week because. I'm just and it, it around at least around Bryan College Station. I found it like 55, 45 to Strohs. I mean, yeah. I, it was not as it's not as heavy Strohs leaning as you'd think. There are a lot right. of Rangers fans There's here. A ton town. of Rangers fans. Yeah. It's just you never heard from them because they went through the, a bad spell. And yeah. honestly, I think they're a, a year or two ahead of schedule in the rebuild. Um, I'm loving the series. It's, a, it's been great. Uh, a random sidebar. Speaking of that, is there really a better panel right now for baseball than A Rod, Poppy, and Derek no Jeter? I like yeah. Jeter. Yeah, that was cool. They're, they're fantastic. But even I better mean, than that is John Smoltz. Smoltz is the best in the business. He's hilarious. And too. they're bilingual. I mean, so we were getting no, the translation. Man, the way they did that just played <laughs> off like really un, was unscripted cool. was fantastic. Yeah, with Alvarez last night? Yeah, that was cool. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess we can now dive in. We'll, we'll do what Nuno does. We'll, we'll go around the table and, and get what's on your mind. So I guess. Mr. Browning, we'll start with you. What's, oh, what's good, on your mind? good. Well, I, I am going to be Paul positive this week. <laughs> we had a little negativity last week, but we're going to change things today. We're going to be positive, and we're going to talk about basketball. <laughs> there so, you go. No, uh, no, it was a uh, um, it was a tough week, a tough uh, couple games um, in a row, and uh, I think the bye week is uh, probably coming at a good time. Uh, I don't know, really. I mean, it may be. Maybe they wanted to get right back out and hit somebody in the mouth, but um, it's been a cu- tough couple of weeks, and uh, you know everything from a couple of losses, and then you know lose some uh, some big time recruit, uh, at least one big time recruit, and um, but uh, um, you know winning cures everything, and if we can use this bye week to get ourselves right and get back on the winning track, and um, you know we, there's still a lot, there's a, still a lot that we can play for for this season. Absolutely. Wow, the eye roll. Because I mean, yeah. I'm wondering, like, I get that, but I'm like, you know. It was like, and we saw it. We saw out of nowhere. We played good against LSU, and the line plays good. And you're like, where would that come from last year? I just don't know where it's going to come from this year. But my, oh my, what's on my mind? So, uh, made the trip to Knoxville. Oh, how was that? Uh, yeah, so the missed the fan show last week. We left on a Thursday so we could have some extra time. It looked beautiful. It was, you know, the newness of a – of a new SEC venue, right? Mm-hmm. It, that's been fun the last decade mm-hmm. doing things for the first time, whether it's Oxford or uh, Columbia, Missouri. Athens. Or whatever. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. Athens was the tops. This was up there. I mean, this is a great area. You're you're sitting at the base of the Smoky Mountains, so you could go up there and Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and Dollywood, and their downtown is cool. For the most part, the Tennessee fans, the adults, right, were <laughs> Really cool. We got, you know, just had a good time with them. They were impressed with how much maroon was in town. They were like, damn, there's a lot of y'all. I was like, yeah, well, we've never been here, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we haven't been somewhere yet. We want everybody wants us to go see it. So we travel well. Beautiful campus on the river, you know, the stadium, but you probably heard it's a, 
erector set pile of garbage, right? <laughs> ingress. Egress is a nightmare. Absolutely. And they're working on it, but it, it's, it needs some love. Inside the stadium, um, I loved it. I love Rocky Top. I mean, I, I know it, it wears on you. I, you can't help but sing along now and then, you know. Uh, the checkerboard that they're they were loud. I just I loved it, you know. Mm-hmm. Except for you know Jimbo and the offense, it was really good. We we went up, we went up to Gatlinburg like two two summers ago and went through all, all that's just gorgeous and one of my favorite places. But we we did go up to to Tennessee or like when we went through Knoxville went by the the, sta- yeah. the stadium and the campus and it is it's absolutely beautiful till you see that stadium that you're like man that thing looks like garbage it looks like old Texas stadium just all beat up and but it, again it's absolutely gorgeous yeah, I, it's, I, I think it's big. It's cool. the ramps going in are like at a forty percent grade just these giant ramps and like straight up two hundred yards I mean it's like oh my god get my hiking boots out and then you get in there in the upper deck we were in the upper deck and it is straight down i don't know if anybody's been to the old amon carter stadium back in the day in fort worth i mean literally straight down so it was it was unique yeah good trip i'll I'd, I'd do it again well tennessee is a beautiful state yep. I've, I've had plenty of opportunities to hang out there and uh outside, honestly i know there's a lot of people aren't gonna like this take outside of nashville tennessee is beautiful yeah <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff to do in nashville but nashville's nashville yeah you know? Um, all right, so what's on my mind? And this has been going for obviously days and really weeks at this point. Um, I, I have a saying that I've said a lot because I always remember going around, obviously the state, but also, you know, because I've been around the country and people are like, oh, you're from Texas. You know, are you a Longhorn? Are you this and that? I'm like, I'm an Aggie. And they always say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Longhorn. So, you know what's weird? I've never had to apologize for being an Aggie. I've never said, I'm sorry, I'm an Aggie. I'm an Aggie, right? And I see on these boards, like, man, it's tough to be an Aggie, man. It's hard to be an Aggie. No, it's not, man. Like, you can't tie your this university's like self-worth to you to sports. And I get it. I totally get it. Trust me. I'm down in the dumps about the football program. I am. Like, it, it's kind of stinky right now, right? But And apathy is tough when you get to hit that point in a program and a fan base. But man, quit all the self-loathing. Brother, you're an Aggie. You're fighting Texas Aggie. This university is a fantastic place. And don't get me wrong, the product across the street is kind of garbage right now, or at least on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But holy crap, like the self-loathing has got to stop. Like, yeah. and, and one quick thing, second, just because a thought comes into your head doesn't mean you need to start a thread. <laughs> like on the boards. Or anything on your Facebook Social page, media, on your Twitter, Twitter page. Yeah. It's just... You're not that smart, and we've heard it, and we don't want Lane Kiffin as coach. I mean, you're people are idiots. <laughs> oh, boy, that is putting it nicely. So, but again, like, look, and I said this on my, on my podcast this week, and it's, you know, it's a bye week. There's still plenty to play for. My approach would be open it up, let it rip, because you've got to somehow compensate for what we know the offensive line is. So open it up, let it rip. The defense is going to do their thing. Make it quick. Bring it down to one to two reads. And, you know, feed the studs. Everybody always says that. We keep saying that. We don't keep doing it, but we keep saying that. Just get the ball out. Let them, let them do work in space. Compensate for what you know is a weakness. That's how I, that's how I would roll moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess we'll go into just – I asked OB this earlier, and you kind of answered, answered it just – during this bye week, what are you what are you hoping that they're working on over there? Outside, outside of maybe obviously, let's protect the quarterback. That's one A. Yeah, we get that. But you know, what what do you hope they're working on? What do you want them to be? You know, practicing. Like, let's say they have one today. What are they? What do you want them to be working on today? I guess Roy, you can start. Oh, uh, 
Uh, honestly, it, it, that's kind of what I was saying is, look, at this point, you know what you have, right? And there's things that you can still hope that you can improve, but one, it's the hope that kills you, and two, bro, you're kind of halfway through the season, so what you have is what you have. Mm -hmm. Start working to work around your weaknesses. Stop. You got to stop trying to go. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna install this scheme instead for blocking, and maybe that'll be the key. You know what you have. Work to what you have. Get the ball out and let your guys work in space and just see what happens. The you know the seven step drops. They're still going to be there from time to time, but. I'm telling you, it's, it, everything's got to be faster reads and faster, uh, you know, pro, uh, you know, progress, you know, progressing through your reads. Everything's got to be faster. Get the ball to your guys and just go, just go. And if that's an up tempo thing, maybe so the defense doesn't have time. If that is a ton more motion, so the defense is still moving laterally as opposed to north and south at the snap. Fine, but mm-hmm. I would just like to see, and it's got to come from an offensive play calling point of view. You've got to adapt to what you know you have and what you don't have. Yep. Hunter. Yeah, I mean, I would I would focus on the offensive line, right? Because I our quarterback, he kind of is who he is, and I I love Max, love that he's naggy, and love his family. But I said this when Connor got hurt. I said he's clunky, he's slow to react, he makes bad decisions. If I see him getting sacked and just chunking the ball somewhere to the sideline or on the ground again, I mean, he he did it that LSU. Yeah. He's done it here. Anyways, I'm gonna focus on the on the offensive line. What's the first part of every play? You know, it's center to quarterback exchange. So maybe let's work on that and not six times a game have a have a play either late because it's he had to go reach it high or low or he doesn't get it at all. So I'd start there. And at some point, we have dudes on this offensive line, and we have highly ranked, recruited, 300-pound strong dudes. At some point, you got to just block the guy in front of you. You know, it, I, I don't know if that's simplicity. I, I get we pull, and they're shooting gaps, and they're – Maybe just start stunts. zone blocking and just block the head point, in front of you. At some point, hit somebody in front of you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just super frustrating. It, I, it, I, yeah, I, 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 that was one of mine was the – it was just the snap. Just get the snap because, I mean, there they were draw plays where he's having to catch it over here and, and Moss is having to wait you know, a split second longer even to get the ball. And that split second's a big deal. Or it's yeah. down at your toes, and yeah. now, now your eyes are no longer on the defense. They're down at the yeah. field yeah. looking for yeah. the ball. Yep. Your first read is already developed, yeah. and you're just now getting your eyes on your first read. I mean, yeah. if it, 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 would I – I know this is, um, is going to be real broad and very simple, but just score more points. Yeah. Figure out a way to score more points. Yeah. We held Tennessee to their lowest point total in two seasons. They have, they've scored more than 20 points every single game that they played the last two seasons, and we held them to 20. If you'd have told me that before, I'd be like, we'd have, we're going to kill them. Yeah, and one was a wind-aided punt return, yeah. so it's 13 points. Yeah, to their I offense. mean, our defense has been outstanding, and I hate that this defense has been is being – I mean, Bama scored 26 points. I mean, that, If you'd have told me 26 on Bama, I'd have been like, yeah, we're probably going to win that game. Score 30 points. And 24, we, take out the safety. So even, you know, yeah, it makes a yeah. difference. Yeah, but. I mean, you, you, you've got, it's just, it's just, it's just mind boggling that, that with the amount of talent and, and everything we have out there, that we're just not scoring more points. And I, 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 I mean, we, we can see all the deficiencies in the offensive line and everything, but I mean, still, there have been, I mean, Mike Leach never had a, never had a single guy like that on, on his team. Never once had a talented offensive lineman like that on his team. They scored they scored thousands of points. Half, half a hundred pretty much every game. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they lose generally like fifty eight to fifty two, but Yeah, I mean but, I mean like so again, it's like one of those things I just I can't under I can't I don't understand. Just score more points. I mean, that's pretty much all we want as fans. Score thirty points, we're probably gonna win the game. Right. And 
that's that's what's weighing on me though now, right? Because now I have enough data, and I have three years now of of the data, two and a half seasons where we're not scoring points. Mm-mm. You there will be games where they'll get loose a little bit, right? And great games, Alabama twenty one, LSU twenty two, mm-hmm. right? There there's some times where it gets loose, but but the reality is this offense just struggles and is just plotting and inconsistent and cannot score points consistently. So if that's the data, right, then that's the big elf in the room. What are we doing with this guy? And it's and it's, it's hard because we know the talent is there. It's not well, like a talent deficiency on offense. Well, and that's like the most mind-boggling thing, too. Like, you know, we get loose. And, but in, in each game, I think my biggest thing I always say is, man, if you can just start fast. Whether we're on the offensive, like if we're on the offensive ball, just go down, and score a touchdown. If we got the defense three and out, let's get the ball, score a touchdown, right? And we do it like stinking dang near every game, and then we're like, "All right, well that that was it. That's all we had planned. So now we're just going to shoot from the hip for the rest of the game. Hope you guys can block." Yeah. Like, so it's frustrating because we do get out of the blocks quickly. Like we have done that consistently this year. Where does that go when the defense makes adjustments? Generally, you should probably make adjustments on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. And and right now, I'm just not seeing it. Especially at the half. Oof. By the way, Edward and Austin and Jack, uh, class of '76, liked your little your 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 spiel about being being an Aggie. Oh. They texted <laughs> and, and showed some love there. But well, one thing that I've been wondering is like, where has it gone? Is two things: tempo, seen it in flashes. Where's the long ball? I guess that kind of goes with uh, not getting a lot of protection. But I mean, there have been no shots taken in any of these games it seems like or not enough maybe and yeah and the- he absolute airmailed one to Oof. evan last week i mean it was 10 yards out of bounds and noah cut a long one i yeah. do remember that but it's not it's just they're few and far between well, and, well, because of, he's getting hammered yeah right it's a long ball is tough without protection yeah. but but i, I want to go back to uh you know short yard situation and i know this has probably been rehashed a million times and i've probably rehashed a million times you're down the goal line noah's noah's noah thomas is out one-on-one just throw the ball up to him you can underhand the ball up to him and probably 65 to 70 percent of the time he's pulling it down because he's the guy that wins those battles so again and, and and i'm not making any excuses for the offensive line i mean i think we all know what the product is out there right now at least how they're performing and again they're studs they're physical specimens but we don't i don't know why they're not but man play calling's got to be blamed some too yeah Absolutely, because you don't have to throw the ball 65 yards downfield, but you can throw these 25-yard ends and slots and, and quick skinny posts, and you can throw you know these outs that are 20, 25 yards down the field that don't require you to have a ton of protection because the ball should be out before the receiver's breaking anyways. Mm-hmm. But what I see is Max waits for the receiver to be open as opposed to throwing them open. Connor throws people open. Max waits for them to come into an opening, and that's where you're already late. And just open a hole for a running back for once. I mean, my goodness, I, we, talk, we cannot run the football. We just can't run the football. And then uh, we break off like a, a 35-yard gain. So it's, it, it's focus. I don't it's, know. I don't it's know. so That's crazy. I mean, it's uh, uh, we just cannot run the football. We can't protect and we can't run the football. Uh, and it's just, it's so frustrating. Well, and that's know. what's frustrating is we don't allow them to run the ball. None of our opponents are running the ball on us a ton. Mm-hmm. And if they do, it's because we completely shut down their pass game. But, you know, run the ball, control the clock. So the defense is doing their job on that side. But, we, I mean, offense has got to hold their end. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how the, the 
conversation has flipped from the first couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, man, we got to figure out the defense. Uh, back to man, we got to figure out the <laughs> offense again. So that's pretty wild. But hey, we're going to hit a quick break here. I want to talk to you all about Braz's Running Company real quick. They're located in Century Square, local Aggie-owned and operated specialty running store with an outstanding selection of running gear and shoes, including sought-after brands like Brooks, On, and Hoka. If you're a runner, walker, or interested in fitness, the right shoe makes all the difference at Braz's Running Company. They're passionate about running and about finding the right shoe for you. Other brands that highlight Birkenstock, uh, market-exclusive retailer for Viore Clothing. Remember, it's never too early to check off that holiday shopping at Braz's Running Company. Braz's Running Company, located in Century Square below Star Cinema Grill in College Station. Welcome back in. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Gardner Jewelers. It is the fan show presented by Gerard Construction Custom Home Builders for the Brazos Valley since 2002. They don't just build homes. They build relationships. relationships. Thank y'all. GerardConstruction.com. Yeah, there you go. Got it. Uh, Let's see. Where do we want to go? Let's do this. Co-sponsored by Vegemite. There you go. Yeah, even. (laughs) Lisa Social Center. Are y'all just trying to throw me off my game? Is that the goal here? Trying well, to the problem me? is you've got the, the script Aggies hoodie. So you are so on top of your game. We have to pull you down to our level. I guess. Hey, we can, we get, we can talk basketball if you want. We'll get into that in a minute. Nice. We'll, we'll do that in a minute. That's I, positive. I think we still got to. Pumped about basketball. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Aggie football here. Do a little national college football. Then yeah. We'll, absolutely. we'll dive into some uh, to Aggie basketball. So just, Zoe, I know we got the, the schedule graphic. If you could pop that up. Just where... With five games left, I guess. Oh, we're gonna do the what? What do you see left? Oh, I God. guess, yeah. What? Where's your confidence level in all these games? What do you see? Hey, remember when we were four and one? That I was do. fun. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not super positive about South Carolina. That's an offense that can move the ball, so you better start scoring with them. And I don't know if we can do that. Ole Miss, that's an L. Uh, at LSU is an L. So seven and five is probably your best case now. I think most would agree with me. So then, then there's some decisions up there in the Bright Building or Rudder Tower or Bar. Or Man, Republic. if it's coming from Rudder, then we really need to talk about things that run around wherever we make those decisions. Dixie Chicken. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, and I'm the resident sunshine pumper, right? That's generally my job. And it's not my job. It's something I embrace. It's sure. Me. It's, be it's be that I guy. Am. We like it. I like South Carolina. I like it to be a win. I think coming off a of bye week, you got some people getting healthy. And I know South Carolina can move the ball, but our defense has shown that no matter how much you move the ball, our defense can slow you down, minus Tyler Van Dyke. I think uh, their defense has shown that they're not very good. Their defense, yeah, I, and their defense I agree is statistically with the worst. I, I, think, in, I think South Carolina SEC. plays into our kind of get right game mm-hmm. kind of mentality. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that's a feel good. Your offense can step on South Carolina. Hey, even if bit. we, put, I think, I think we, if we can put up 30, 35 points, which again, we haven't seen lately, but, but against, but we also haven't played their defense. Let, you know, lest we forget that was a defense full of Alabama. You know, do we have a time for that game um, yet? So, South Carolina. South Carolina's 11 a.m. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Ole Miss, I, I think that's literally where you get to say what the last three games turn into. If you go on the road, Ole Miss, and you win, I think all of a sudden you're like, all right, we're going to beat the Cowbells here at home. Obviously, we're going to beat ACU. And then maybe we give LSU a run for their money in, in the red stick. Um, so, I, I, I'm confident about South Carolina. I think Ole Miss is the true measuring tape because what was yep. our biggest things like we want to be the Alabamas of the world and then what would we always have to say well we need to beat the Mississippis of the world first right yeah and so maybe this is I look and, and I know I'm, I'm being you know on on the right side of middle of the road and I'm being a little positive but I think South Carolina is a dub and I think Old Miss is going to tell us exactly who we are because again Old Miss can move the ball but 
lest we forget we do have a defense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I, I'm not going to predict all the way through. I think the old Miss is where we'll truly know what's going to happen. I, but I, I, I firmly believe South Carolina's a victory. I'm going to say that, I mean, looking at this, I, I, I mean, you've got – it does somewhat play into our hands, I'd say, in a little bit in, in, in regards to we don't have another defense on this list like the two we just played. Absolutely, yeah. Tennessee and Bama's defenses um, were quite a bit better than anybody that we have left on the schedule. Uh, now, some of their offenses are better. We were playing much better offenses, but are we again, like you said, we have a defense. So we are more than capable – talent-wise, everything else, to win to every single one of these games. Yep. But I will also say that we've done nothing in the last three seasons or four seasons or since 2014 that tells me we're going to beat a ranked team on the road because we haven't done it since 2014. It was, yep. it would we be could. Like, it would be like the most Jimbo thing ever to run the table. And, and we have not heard, <laughs> right, we got till next week on the Ole Miss game time, but I'm just, that's a 630, 630 SEC Network. Miss, Rebel, kick, or you know, Black Bears or whatever they are now. Yeah, smarmy, smirky, Eddie Haskell loving, you know, Lane Kiffin just punks Jimbo again. That's my that's my favorite. Drinking drink $12, $12 a bottle of bourbon with their pinky in the air. That's Ole Miss. <laughs> well, have... Have y'all been there? Been to Oxford? Yeah. The Grove, it, yeah. wildly overrated. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. So that's what I was kind of getting at. Is well, they, hang on. They don't. We have look, a dis- we have a yeah, disagreement I'll, with the that. campus okay. is gorgeous. Everybody says that. I'll but let them I mean, they're the OG on tailgating. No, it's I mean, a, it's a ton of fun, but it's like, and I get it. It's changed. It used to be the station wagon pulled up in the in the Grove mm-hmm. there, uh, and it evolved. The first time we went, we you know we had a Ole Miss tailgate to go to, so I think it changed. If you're just lost in the crowd, walking those sidewalks, yeah, it sucks. It's stupid crowded, but I, I still like it. It's just different. They're, they're, I'm not they're saying it's totally not fun. different. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm just saying, like, it's not what it's piped up to be. Mm-hmm. It, but, look, it can be a ton of fun. It really can. It's, it's a, a ton of tailgates packed into a closet. The it's square's cool. It's a super small town. It's cool. It's, oh, it's a great Stadium town. It's like Baylor-esque. It is. The, the campus is just gorgeous. Yeah. Floyd, Floyd Casey Baylor esque. That's what, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely Floyd Casey. Floyd it reminds Casey. me of SMU. But yes, I think that we have the ability to run the table. We have the talent, we have everything mm. we need. I just don't, I don't, but if you ask me if we're going to, I would tell you no. I think, I we're, gonna go, I think we're going to go Miami's three and two in these good. last few games. We've seen that now, and, and, and they smoked us. I, I just, ugh. I think about 10 o'clock on November 4th. 10 p.m. on November 4th, we'll know exactly what's going to happen the rest of the year. I, I really yeah. think that Ole Miss is, is the barometer for the back half of the season. I agree. Not, I, I don't think South Carolina is. I mean, yeah. if, if Spencer Rattler gets loose and they put up 45 on us, then we don't have to worry about what happens at Ole Miss. Yeah. But I just I just, I think our defense is too good. You have to worry about what happens to Jimbo if South Carolina puts 45 on you, and then you're four well, and – I don't have to worry. It's not my country. One, two, three. You're four and four. I'm just saying, is is like is that super, a bunch of writing on the wall, or is it still? If you lose to South Carolina, you're staring six and six in the face. Yeah, because I still think you beat Mississippi State. Yeah, and and the one crazy thing about LSU, and I know, and I get it, I know the history. I haven't won in Baton Rouge since I was in middle school, um, and I'm not young. Um, but man, LSU's defense just checked out, went to the beach for the year. That right. game, at least every game LSU plays, tells you that. That game is going to be that, a shootout, if, which if, I don't if, know if that's a good or bad thing. If you're able to step back and remove your hatred for LSU, there's some wildly entertaining games. I yeah. love when there's I, 120 points in college football yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels is fun to watch. He's slippery and 
good. So he is. if let's say let's just say for example, so I will I'll, I'm going to pump some shun, some I'm going to pump some sunshine here. To it he I'm going to be optimistic, it. yeah, because it's really hard for me. But I will say that if we take this bye week and use this as our get right week, all right, get the offense just somewhat flowing. Get them. On, I mean, because the defense is the defense is going to do what they what they're going to do. I think we know who they are. If we can get the offense going. And you're playing against defenses. There's not a single top 50 defense left on this schedule. No. I mean, we can we if we can get right on the offensive side, we can run the table. I'm just saying we can. I'm not saying That's we're the going most positive to. Positive I've ever heard him in my, oh my life. God, but what is, what is this? We can. I mean, it's possible. I'm need, looking at this. It's you, right there in front. You need of me. a breather. <laughs> and no eye roll this time. No. Nope. Yeah. No eye roll. I'm looking at this, going, <laughs> okay. The more and more I look at it, the more and more I think about it, how bad Ole Miss and LSU's defenses are. They're terrible. They are awful. And if our defense can slow them down and our offense can just move the ball, I mean Tennessee has a Tennessee's yeah. got an awesome offense. We held them to twenty points. That's their lowest total in three seasons. You certainly don't want to get in a track race with Spencer Rattler or or Old Miss. Um, no, we got. But, but if we can turn this into like a steeplechase track race where we don't have to run that fast, we just have to beat them by the end. You know, that's kind of us like stepping in puddles. Keep and the stuff. pressure. That's, that's that's unfortunately a really good analogy. <laughs> It's like kind of stumbling over some blocks, stepping in puddles. That's our offense. But at the end, (laughs) if we can beat you across the finish line, exactly. everybody else is sprinting and we're running the steeplechase. Damn it. So, yeah, you're running a steeplechase like with a three-legged donkey with this offense. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I've seen enough. I, I I just don't have any optimism there that I can, yeah. You slip one of those wins in, maybe. I just don't have a lot of optimism. We haven't allowed. We've allowed thirty more than thirty points one time this season. And if we can get right against these bad defenses, we can score thirty points. We maybe we well, win. You scored right. twenty against Auburn because you got a punt return in there. I mean, man, you you, you messed around with Arkansas. I have to give Hunter a hug at the break. Twenty points against Bama. That I'm okay with that. I guess. You know, last week was disgusting because you had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. That's to, what's to, frustrating. To run yeah. down the field on Tennessee, and you know, and Jimbo's. Not allowing some opportunities by just not calling timeouts at the end of the half, taking two, two weeks taking in a row, three timeouts in his pocket to the locker room. Um, it's yeah, it's it's it kind of goes back to what Roy opened with. At some point, just cut loose. Who cares at this point? Just go. Yeah. I mean, act like it's Fran's last game in two thousand seven. You remember it was like throw, Steve McGee throwing it around. You're like, where's this come from? Just tee it high and let it fly. Let's go. <laughs> right. How big of a difference? This might be a dumb question. How big of a difference to you personally is seven and five or eight and four? Is is there? I guess it depends on what. Eight and four gets us to nine wins after a bowl win, assuming we win the bowl, and nine is a little bit more palatable. Yeah, eight and four means that we beat a eight and four means that we beat a a a ranked team team on the road. Yeah, yeah, which would be a huge deal. Yeah, I I agree. That's a big difference. Seven and five and losing both Ole Miss and LSU is. A bummer. Like if you end up at seven and five and you somehow win one of those road games, like there's a lot of narrative between those two. Like you, there's a lot of different scenarios. But if it's eight and four, it. I mean, okay, I'll buy that of, because let's say you're eight and four and you just went on a South Carolina at Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and ACU four game win streak. I think that would make eight and four more palatable. Maybe yeah, uh, eight and four is very is, is way more palatable than seven or, and five or because like, of because of the way the schedule. Or look at that. last year, five and seven felt awful, but you're like at least we got those jerks from from Pat yeah. Ruse like in the season on high. So I mean, how know, many times did we save Les Miles' job? What what if you, <laughs> what if you go? Win, you lose uh, in Oxford, and then you win out. 
again, like yeah, either way, both both of those are palatable. I think ending on a poor like losing in in Baton Rouge is just it's, so. No, that was not that was actually an excellent question. It. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Good. I'm glad it worked out that way so. because <laughs> because eight and five. Luke's got this thing down. Yeah, because eight and five because of a bowl win isn't really acceptable. Yeah, yeah. but nine and four. After a couple of really disappointing weeks and a laying a turd in Miami, after five and seven, after a, a five and seven year from last year, you lose your starting quarterback in the second Again. third week of the of Again. the season. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the way that you could you could sunshine pump it. There you go. And maybe, just maybe, nine with a chance for ten in a bowl. We'll hit a break on the other side. Speaking my language. Speaking my language, Savage. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit of national college football and all that good stuff. You're listening to Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. Welcome back in. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. It's the fan show presented by Gerard Dash Construction. Custom home builders for the Brazos Valley since 2002. They don't just build homes. They build relationships. Learn more at... Gerard-construction.com. Gerard-construction.com. Thank you. That's right. We got uh, Roy May, Hunter Shirtliff, and uh, Matt Browning with us. And we've talked a little bit of Aggie football. Now let's kind of take it to the national uh, scale. So just this weekend slate... What are the games y'all be watching? No Aggie game to watch. So this, first of all, open. bye week is the greatest college football week ever because if you're a college football fan and you have no emotion involved, it is so wildly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Problem is, if you're a college football fan, you have emotion because you have your team and you hate three others. So there's still emotion <laughs> involved. Yeah. If you're not watching Penn State, Ohio State, I don't know what you're watching. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Tennessee. Um, oh, and by the way, go Army. They're going into Baton Rouge. Oh, are they? Such a weird. Well, no. So, so, but hold hold on. Remember when they went into Norman a few years back, and it was down to the last play, and that was when OU was not a bad football team. Playing against the triple option is just really weird. It's really hard. LSU has no defense, no defensive discipline, which is the only thing that stops a triple option. Because look, Army football's motto: We may be small, but at least we're slow. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's Army football. They do have a touch of an actual vertical passing game this year, which is frightening and shocking. Um, they took us to I, overtime at Alamo a few would, years it's, ago. It's, it's just weird. Nobody sees the triple option, and against a defense that has no discipline, I'm not saying this is going to be a close game. But I'm not saying I'm not going to watch it. There you go. There you I go. Mean, but Penn State, Ohio State, I mean, it has to be. You know, oh, yeah. And that's more. the 11 a.m. Big Ten kick, you know, the big game on the, the Fox. Big, big noon kickoff. Uh, you know, they're marketing Sneaky well. good games. That. You know, keep an eye on Washington State, Oregon. Um, but Duke, Duke, Florida State yeah. is oh, right yeah. there. That one well, yeah, yeah. Who thought that was going to be a game worth watching? Yeah, like yeah no the joke. Started. Well, there's a, you got so the the Ags are on by, the Cowboys are on by. So this is a weekend. This is this would have been a great weekend. Take a vacation, it's baseball weekend. It's all baseball. <laughs> That's why I'm here. It's all yeah. said. See, <laughs> it's all baseball this weekend. Uh, and so. we'll, we'll get to it in a sec. Uh, but how about last week? So I was in on Tennessee time, Eastern Standard Time, or what daylight, whatever they call it, right? <laughs> I stayed up till two thirty in the morning watching Colorado uh, Stanford. Sheesh. Sheesh! Oh, that was fun. Yeah, because yeah, we'd went out and had the dinner and saw Knoxville the and catch that guy made. Oh my gosh, that was fun. Twenty nine nothing. That was that's rivaling you know the our UCLA debacle. That, yeah. I was gonna, I was going to say that almost reminds me of the uh, Oilers Bills. Remember that in the comeback and mm-hmm. the was it AFC Championship game or whatever it was. Yeah, just Bro- not broke, as painful as broke UCLA. My heart. <laughs> 
What about How, uh, what about hey, what ahead? Go Cougs this yeah, weekend, right? That was one of them I was going to yeah. bring up. Texas goes to the University of Houston, and at least uh, from my like Twitter feed, I don't know why I get a lot of U of H stuff for whatever reason. Yeah, but, uh, they they I think are selling that place out. So Whoa, I mean, it's really? the Horn fans clock. are. Did you well, see the crowd last week for that? Their Hail Mary game? Yeah. Uh, who, who are they playing? West Virginia? Yeah. That's no disgusting. What's there? That, yeah. that is Cougar High in a nutshell. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Big game on TV for them, right? And nobody yeah. there. Yep. So it'll be 75% Horn fans. We need, we, well, hey, Chase, where are your people at, man? What, what Come was on. It? TCU 2015? Whatever that code was. This is old uh-huh. Southwest Conference days, right? It was A&M in Texas. When we went on the road, the rice tickets went from $15 normally to you know $40 because the Aggies were coming in town or Texas coming. They lived off uh, – that whole conference just lived off of coming to their stadium. Well, boy, I, hey, I, boy, inflation has done, done a number <laughs> since we yeah. played rice. Well, I'm just saying. That, but that was an example. <laughs> well, I, I saw it in passing this morning. I, I didn't click on it but because um, I was late getting out the door. But apparently Andre Ware, I don't know if he was uh, – there was like CBS football, you know, because I know he's one of their correspondents. It was one of their shows or if he was on a podcast or something. Apparently, he just started going off. He started listing all the scores from when he was at Houston and beating the crap out of Texas. Oh, yeah. Somebody's <laughs> like, U of H by 50, book it. Yeah, <laughs> like, wow. I'd love it. No, I don't, I don't see it, though. No, I don't I, see I it. I think no. Texas is good. Yeah. I think they're baby killers, and they're going to they're gonna kill some baby but seals. But they, hey, they always drop one of these games, and boy, it would be fun for it to one. happen to Cougar High. I don't think this is the one, though. I don't think so, either. What about little maybe sneaky SEC matchup Ole Miss going to Auburn do they have any chance Auburn showed some life good old-fashioned hate I said they would I said they would but I think they only showed some life because it was Georgia Ole Miss is only favored by six and a half I agree I'm not in love with Ole Miss when we had that schedule popped up a minute ago Ole Miss at 13 is a joke and LSU at 19 is a joke right Um, I mean they're giving up 700 yards off uh, on their defense LSU and they've lost Dropped a couple of stinkers and they still get ranked. I, Watch. I don't know why the love affair there, but I think Auburn's absolutely got a fighting chance. You play in, in Auburn. What time is that? Jordan you know? Hare. That game um, is at. Anyways, that's. Please that's, be at 2 30. Please be 2 30. No, 2 30 no, is Alabama, 6 p.m. Ooh, oh, yeah. night game. Oh, yeah, that's. Night game. That's prime time for us. War Eagle. Well, yeah. well watch. Yeah, they Aub- got- Auburn will smoke Old Miss by like 15. So when we go win in Oxford, they won't be a ranked team. So we still won't yeah. have a ranked win on the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, man. South Carolina, Missouri. I mean, I'm just, there's some good you, stuff out there. At some point, you've got to buy Missouri. That'll be a 42-38 game. It's going to wear that scoreboard guy not, out. Not, yeah. not to win the East, but like Missouri's no longer the doormat. Like Missouri can play yeah. some football. Yeah. Eli Drinkowitz. What do you think? I like what he's done at Missouri. Okay. Utah, USC, any interest there? No. Uh, Man, not without, I just have my, oh, I'm sorry, really, I just don't have any interest I, I have in an that. irrational disdain for USC, so like, I'd love to see the Utes win. Apparently Cam Rising's back, but... Utes by 10. If that, Cam Rising like is he's legit. really finally back. Maybe. Like, yeah. Again, it's... Well, maybe, see. He's, he's, he'll be playing at about 35%, because that dude yeah. <laughs> refuses to... Hey, if Cam Rising's team. back, is that, and that game's in uh, Utah, I want to say... It is. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, it's in uh, it's in California. It's in the Coliseum. Yeah, if if he's back, at, back, I'll watch it. If he's back 100, percent I'll take Utah now. Yeah. All right, let's switch it up. What? Speaking of Pac-12, what is the best conference in the country right now? Because it's kind of, in my Big eyes, 10. muddied. Big Ten. Big Ten. Big Ten. Big Ten. Well, I mean, Big Ten East. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> Big, the Big Ten East. 
Yeah. I mean, who, they, the West is garbage. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a very top-heavy conference. They're mm-hmm. very top-heavy, but... I'm the, not going to call Iowa garbage. They keep winning, but scoring 17 points. Yeah. But. You know, like Big Ten, just off the top of your head, you go Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michigan, I, I got Michigan. And they're all playing each other coming up. Well, yeah. obviously starting this week. And so they've got, they've got what, four teams in the top, t- 20, in the top 10? Let me or see. Three. Michigan, Ohio State. Penn State. Yeah, so just those three in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and, that, and that's the question, though. Is it the strongest conference because they have the best shot at the playoffs, or is it the strongest conference because most of the most of the teams are ranked? Because the ACC randomly looks good. The SEC is just overranked this year. I, I mean, I don't think, like like you said, like LSU at 19 is just flat laughable. Pretty sure the, the conference that has the most ranked teams is the Pac-12, but I don't think any of y'all here or me really consider them the... No. But they're having the, a good year. I think they're a strong conference. Yeah. I mean, from, from top to bottom, I'd go back to Oregon loses on missed field goal against a you know a top-five team. I still Oregon's good. They're top-heavy for sure. I, I think there's a pretty big drop-off between Oregon, Washington, and everybody else. Yeah, I, I just agree. I think the Big Ten has the most contenders to win the national championship, and that's kind of how I look at conference strength. Mm-hmm. Yesterday... At, I don't know if y'all listened to it, but SEC Mike was on our show, and he did say something interesting about the SEC as a whole. He said he doesn't even think a one-loss Georgia team, that his context was, let's say Georgia runs, or wins out, loses in the SEC championship game. He thinks that that team shouldn't be in the college football playoff. So he said he sees a scenario where the SEC – doesn't get anyone in. I mean, you can run a million scenarios and get, I mean, you can land at that, so he's not wrong, but. I mean, yeah, because you got FSU out there. If they keep winning, right, you're going to get, you're going to get a big team, big 10 team. You're going to get one of those Pac 12 teams. So that's I mean, three right there. But so you're looking at it, but Ohio State and Ohio State and Michigan have to play each other, so they're going to have one yeah, loss. But, but you do not leave a one loss defending two time national championship. I think that's wrong. If not, if they're not the conference champion, what if Bama no. beats them in the. Now, that's, that's what he's saying is they run the table lose in the in the championship game so their one loss is not winning the conference so but if, I it's think, a, so, listen, if it's a one loss Bama team that beats them yes but if it's a two loss Bama so, team that beats them I still think a one loss Georgia team makes Michigan it. and Ohio State remind me they're in the same division right yep so obviously so what about an Ohio State team that runs the table loses to Michigan I mean do we talk about leaving them out if they're only lost, could think about who they would have beat. Penn State. I think the, the Big road. Ten is certainly in a better position to have a one loss, even a one loss champion in yeah. the playoffs. This is, than the this is a story every year. Though, I would think. I would like think that, it, those two. I would think it's absolutely crazy to leave a one loss Georgia team out of the playoffs. That's the two time defending national champion. That has to be. That has to give you no. Some, it, no. It, something. But, but that's the problem. It shouldn't because those championships mean nothing to this yeah, year. I was about to say. <clears> here's how much a question. Boy, where Georgia fans want that? Oh, oh. You runs the table gets beat by the sips in the big 12 game Good what do boy. we do sips are in and ou's out i mean you know that's going to work that way yeah, yeah. right but because that that committee they've already shown with an exception out there penn state that uh and i guess tcu but they're gonna favor conference champions I know there's some exceptions. There just was one, but yeah. they do weigh heavily on the conference. And, and the later, the later, the the later the wins, the better. The later the losses, the worse. Yep. So it's always has been. Think about this. Wouldn't this year have been the perfect year for the twelve, 12 team playoffs? Yeah. It would have been perfect. It would have been. That'd been some fun. That'd been some fun football it's to watch. Just a cluster right now. But I mean, I was talking to Richard about this before the show, and he said it's probably it, every year going forward is going to be good because just the way. College football set up now with transfers and all this movement. It's all, it just, there might be more parity to it all now. But I, I don't know if y'all agree with that or not. 
Oh yeah, there. I mean, absolutely. The SEC is not just dominating this year. Yeah, I mean, you've got some teams in there that I would love. There's some matchups in there in a 12 team playoff. I would love to see. I'd love to see Washington versus Ohio State or 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 Georgia versus well, Texas yeah. or something like With that. With 12 teams, right next year. I mean, hope from. SEC shorts, she's going to be a popular lady because there's going to be a lot of people calling her. She for better it. not show up here. Yeah. She's, I'm just she's saying, deadly. when you got a shot to get in the top 12, I mean, look right now, LSU would be, they're, they're saying, knocking hey, on the we, door. We are, absolutely. We're going to get back in this thing. Ole Miss is going to say, we're in. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll hit a break here, but hey, right now we want caller number one to call in and we'll give you a free car wash from Aggieland Express Car Wash in South College Station off of William D. Fitch in Greens Prairie. Aggie owned and operated while the friendliest staff and per, uh, personal touch. They offer monthly memberships. We'll give the first caller a free car wash right now at Aggieland Express in South College Station 979-693-1150. Welcome back in Tech Sags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We're inside the Rollo Insurance Studio and it's a fan show Presented by Gerard Construction, custom home builders for the Brazos Valley since 2002. 2002. They don't just build homes, they they build build relationships. relationships. Learn more at gerard-construction.com. All right, guys, before we wrap it up, Aggie basketball. A little bit. It's getting closer and closer. Wade Taylor, baby. Wade Taylor. Let's go. First game is at the end of this month, believe it or not. I think it's it's an exhibition game against Tech, but still, there's basketball being played. Well, and that's a... That's a pretty good explanation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you mentioned Wade Taylor, named SEC Preseason Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. SEC Media picking Texas A&M second behind Tennessee. Just what are your thoughts, expectations coming into this year? It's it's nice to it's nice to start getting a little recognition for we've put it, we've put a good product on the court. Mm-hmm. You know, especially last year, uh, and, and we have so much talent coming back. I mean, we when we were at the when we were at the uh, uh, tailgate for Bama, the whole basketball team walked by, and I was mm-hmm. like. My God, and it, it, that's when it dawned me. I was like, "We're returning almost everybody." Hey, that's all the guys I saw last year. It's all the same guys. <laughs> yeah. Literally, only missing Dexter Dennis. That's it. That's it. Yeah, he's in the NBA. Which, which, oh, which, hey, yeah, which, with the Mavericks signing him. Yep. Which hey, that awesome. is a, that was a big loss. But again, that 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 role can be filled. That tenacious D yep. D just D and three guy. But he was a big loss. But I mean, who brought him in out of random that we didn't know where the kid was coming from? We knew a little bit about him. Yep. And think about the, I mean, Buzz added to this mm-hmm. roster. And I've, I've already heard a couple analysts say some of the guys he's brought in have very Dexter Dennis type qualities. Yeah. yeah Buzz is going to get his dudes. And Buzz, this is kind of, there's a parallel here as far as like, we got to give him a little bit of time, let him get his guys in his system. But now Buzz is, is ranked, you know, preseason 15, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I think you got to be excited about basketball. I, yeah, I'm always this guy. I think you need to be excited about women's basketball, too. Yeah. Now, uh, Joni Taylor played with like six people for half the year last year. She had so many injuries. Um, but I, I think you need to be excited about who she has on the roster as long as they stay healthy. You know, watch out for the ladies, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just motivating to hear Buzz talk. I, I caught his highlights this morning. Isn't it great? Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. He won't take any credit. And I'm casual basketball guy. Like, I'll catch two games in December, you know. I'll kind of, but I don't. I'm not, I'm not gonna. Pay, I'm that. I'm that guy that doesn't pay attention until the college football. You're a baseball guy. Over. But, no. but I love this team, and I love Buzz. So yeah. I, I mean, I go to games early though. Yeah, yeah. The same way. It's, it's, it's easy to buy into this program because of Buzz, and and because and not just that we were successful like win loss column. 
the, these kids are just successful kids. He's he's breeding men of character, and I and I think there's so much to be said for that. And and when you interact with the players, it's just it's so great. Well, how can you root against them? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end at the end of last season, the the very last game, we just got beaten. We just got beaten in the tournament. He, what's the first thing he does? He walks into the he walks into the locker room, has all the guys put their hands on Dexter Dennis and prayed for him mm-hmm. in his in his in his future in his career. That's the kind of guy, like you said, he's building men of character. I love Buzz far far more than. X's and O's and the wins. Well, He's just that good at it. And dude. I think Hunter nailed it. You don't have to be a basketball fan to love this basketball team. That's how I am. Yeah. yeah. I, before I started working here, I was kind of casual about it. But you were aware we had I, a program. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. But now that I've gotten a chance to heck meet some of the players coming through here, they're all freaking awesome they're dudes. Amazing. Buzz is so so fun to listen to, and they're fun to watch too. Like they, they just yeah, I know. By the way, they're good. Such, yeah, 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 they're good. <laughs> by the way, first and foremost, they win. Yeah. So you know, it's it's fun to watch. But before we go, fun note that Cade actually uh, was just in here put together, brought it up to Ob earlier. The returning uh, uh, class years for the past five national champions: UConn, three seniors, one junior, one sophomore; Kansas, two seniors, two juniors, one sophomore; Baylor in twenty-one. Two seniors, three juniors. AM, three seniors, two juniors. Some experience, yeah. Winning it all, baby. I love I mean that 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 is that's we're not gonna lose the game. I'm just gonna <laughs> I mean in college basketball, I mean those guys that it's hard to get guys that last that, that, that will stay till their senior year. But yep. when you can, when you get guys that will stay their senior year that are actually yep. good at basketball, it's, it just makes such a it difference. It is it is huge. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thank y'all so yeah, much thank for joining the good Bye job, Week, man. hunting weekend, Zach Bryan, whatever you're doing. Beautiful good job, weather. Luke. Well, yeah. Nick, let's go. Nick. Luke Nick. was there. Luke Nick. was yeah. Nick, it's all right. sorry. You're good. I blew that. <laughs> Damn right. it. I'm Thank off you. the show. <laughs> Come back, Nuno. You're good. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for listening in. Louis Bellina on the other side. This has been TechSags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. Thank you for listening to TechSags Radio via podcast. Thanks to the 12th Man Foundation.